We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. I gotta tell you, I got a bunch of emails yesterday. Hey Dave, play this song. This is a summer song. Hey Dave, play this song. This is a summer song. That song is awesome. To me, this is the quintessential, you know, summer song. That is some old dope smoking music there. Yeah. This is this is the first day of summer song for you because today it is the first day of summer. We'll listen to a little bit more. Here you go. Get you in the mood. That's all the time we'll take on that. We get into the car sounds Smoke, and stuff. I'll move away. Smoke them if you got them, right? Yeah, kind of. You know, I wonder <laughs> when they had the meeting for this guy and they said, this is a great song we're going to do. What are we going to call this guy? And, and who was the first one that said, Mungo Jerry? Yo, Mungo Jerry. Let's call him Mungo. <laughs> I'm like, where did that come from? You know? I don't know, but it was cool. Oh, yeah. It, it did. was it cool. Sounds it's still cool. cool. Yeah. The song is great. I love that song. My sons love that song. All right. Bottom line, today is the first day of summer. It is, of course, hump day today. It is middle of the weekday over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And Wednesday is always the day here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jerry Cavan joins me, or Jimmy Cavan <laughs> joins me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we've got, I'm going to tell you what, you want to listen to the whole show today. All right. You want to listen to the whole show today because um, this is an incendiary show at the 8 o'clock hour on. It really is. Oh, yeah. We're getting the meat. Yeah. It, well, we're, get, we're getting a bomb. Yeah. I mean, this is we're going to unload a bomb today that you're going to hear. You're going to hear some stuff that's being played for the teachers here in Arkansas, specifically in North Little Rock. But... I've got to believe it's being done in North Little Rock. It's being done in other places as well. And yeah, we caught it. We it, caught it is really, really, really concerning. It uh, It's a, a, a piece from Kimberly Jones. You might have heard that name before. Uh, after the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis, she w- and went on and did a, about a seven-minute uh, video that went viral. We're going to play a little bit of that video because it was played for the Little Rock School teachers uh, in in a you must be here type of a meeting. Professional development yeah. is what they call it. And, and they're not and let me tell you the powers of be are not happy yeah. we got this. You're talking about we're talking about the state administration. Oh yeah. Okay. If because you, if they you think, said not yeah. to do this kind of stuff. Well it's against the governor's executive order. Yes. But if folks if you think Everybody's told you there's no critical race theories in schools. Nobody's teaching that in schools. Nobody's putting that in schools. 
Well, we're about to blow that out of the water. Yep. Good morning, Congressman. How are Good you today? Good morning. <laughs> I'm doing great. I didn't I'm mean I didn't mean for well. you to to join us and 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 walk right into that, but we really have uncovered some information that everybody needs to know about. I'll, we're going to send it to you as well. It's it's coming, so be watching for it. I look forward to it, and that's exactly why we have uh, local media and local newspapers, local radio, and local networking to make sure that. Our government is responsive to the people, so good work. All right, so let's start off with a question I'm being asked all over the place, and I, you know, I don't see the big deal in this, okay? But a lot of people are, I think, making a mountain out of a molehill. Talk about this move that you've made uh, with uh, Arkansas land and uh, setting it aside, natural resources, and all of that. Some people are like got their panties in a wad about it. Can you talk a little bit about it? Sure. This is a flat side wilderness area out in uh, Perry County and a little bit in Sling County. It's been uh, been there since 1984 when uh, President Ronald Reagan uh, set it aside as a wilderness area. And I've worked on it with the Forest Service uh, for the last nine years. We've added uh, 600 acres of uh, a forest land uh, to it, and this uh, proposal would add. 2,000 more. We've, uh, as I say, worked on it with uh, three different county judges and with the Forest Service, with the Game and Fish Commission, with the Parks and Tourism Commission, uh, and with uh, now two different governors. Uh, and so there's really nothing nothing new about it. It's, uh, it is, has nothing to do with private land. It is the U.S. forest land. It has nothing to do with limiting anything that's not there now. You can hunt. You can fish. It just purely takes a a ridge of uh, forest that's about uh, 10 miles long or so and adds it to the border of the existing flat side wilderness area. So I'm with you. I don't see why anybody would be upset about it. It's been it's been there under the same conditions since uh, October of 1984. <laughs> so my, my question is, to, from what I've heard and seen what the governor has said about this, and what I've seen with Arkansas Fishing Game has said about this, they like it because it's going to allow private entities to be able to develop in that area for hunting, for hiking, for, I don't know, for whatever they got to do in, in the outdoors. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah and the, uh, the famous uh, Washita National Trail bisects this area. It goes from Oklahoma to Pinnacle Mountain in Little Rock, 225 miles, I think, is the length of it. It goes right through the middle of this. And the last time I uh, hiked across uh, the Washtenaw Trail, across uh, this what's called Flat Side Wilderness Area, I came across the Old Miss Outing Club. And you had uh, about 25 uh, Old Miss college students that had driven to Little Rock, bought gas in Little Rock, bought food in Arkansas, and were on a week-long camping trip through Flat Side Wilderness Area. So it's a major tourist attraction. Uh, for people from all around the region who want to come and uh, see Arkansas's rugged beauty. Isn't that what we want to develop, is develop our tourism base in this state? Absolutely, and I think the Washington National Forest has done a great job, and uh, you always have uh, my friend Bruce Westerman on, and, and Bruce sees it uh, that since he chairs the Natural Resources Committee, the Washington National Forest has been great at, at new things, like people who want to travel all over the world to come here and ride on forest service roads on their gravel bikes that's a hot topic right now yeah. for people who want to go out to uh, 
<coughs> Wolf Pen Gap way out in western Arkansas and riding uh, ATV trails. So the Washita National Forest has got something for everybody, and uh, the Flatside Wilderness Area is a quiet place to hike, camp, hunt, uh, fish, and be left alone. That's what it's for. Yeah, they say that it's you know the solitude is is amazing out there. Jimmy's got a question for you. Go well, on. I was just kind of more of observation, and I'm glad you're on here clarifying because. <clears throat> The one thing that people, especially in Arkansas, really really is red flagging and gets their eyebrows up is when they hear federal government control or any government control, but especially when the federal government gains control in their state. And I think that's the angst that people hear. So I'm glad you're on here kind of explaining the program. Yeah, because it's already federal land. This is federal land. I'm not making new federal land. Right. This is shifting the use of the federal land from just pure uh, natural uh, national forest to natural forest with a wilderness designation. So it doesn't change who owns it or anything about that. What we're really doing, is, if I'm getting this correct, is we're, we're saying, hey, it's federal land, but now it's federal land, only we're going to allow more entrepreneurship on it, generate generate economic value from it. Is that correct? Well, I mean, it's going to – Flatside Wilderness has, has been there, as I say, for 40 years, and so it's going to make it a more popular destination for people who want right. to go out there and, and fish and rock climb and uh, turkey hunt and uh, deer hunt. And so uh, that part of it is just unchanged. It's really just expanding slightly the footprint of uh, the site out there. Yeah, I mean – And I've done this – I've done this uh, – uh, once before, and nobody said anything about it uh, in 2019. You know, so anyway, it's just it's just it's just whatever whatever's cooking, you know, on the stove for people to complain about. I okay, think. well, I just wanted to get clarified about exactly what's going on because, I'll, you know, like I said, I, I hear the good things from you about it. I heard from uh, Governor Sanders; she's all about it. The Arkansas Game and Fish is all about it because they're all about you know, building up the tourism base here in the state of yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, that's yeah, and, and that's the thing, the tourism, number right? One goal is, yeah, her number one goal is to make uh, tourism a growing entrepreneurship. He's, she's trying to encourage guiding services. You know, we have great guiding services on the White River and the Little Ritz River, <clears throat> but she sees this as an opportunity to create companies that will do uh, – uh, bike rides, mm-hmm. uh, people do hiking, hunting, guiding, and that's something that really our state, compared to other states, uh, outside the duck hunting arena uh, and outside the trout fishing arena, we don't have a robust entrepreneurship industry there, and that's something we think is growing, and I think clearly uh, the uh, the bike issue is growing significantly. Oh, mountain biking is growing by yeah. leaps and bounds. In fact, in northwest Arkansas, they're becoming known nationally if not internationally, about bike riding. Right. So, yeah. So, good work. You know, we'll give you good work here. I'd say it is an economic plus. Yeah, I agree. Well, when you've got as much natural resources as we have in Arkansas, why wouldn't we develop it and have people come in and enjoy it as much as we enjoy it? Because those people pay sales tax. Yeah, well, they pay. (laughs) They'll pay extra money. I mean, if we get tickets that they got to get by to be able to go in because they're an out-of-state yeah. resident i'm all about that yeah i think it's good good for government good for the private sector good for everybody yep i'm w- i'm with it good job congressman keep up the good work on that okay so yep. let me let me bring up another question for you a big story broke late last night i didn't get a chance uh, i usually send this to your people so that you know what story i'm drawing from but uh 
What are we to make of the Chinese wanting to build a base within 100 miles of our shores? I think it's a provocative move. I think uh, this is why the Biden administration needs to have a uh, clear policy on China, work with Congress on that. I'm one of these people that uh, I'm not condemning uh, the Secretary of State for going to China. I mean, what is the best way when you're mad at somebody and you want them to change their policy uh, and they are a big company, country, that is completely integrated with your country, how do you express yourself? I think doing it face-to-face is the best way to do it. And so I don't have any problem with Blinken going to China to talk. He's not kowtowing or doing anything. But the key is, what is he saying? What yeah, he yeah, we know yeah. what he said. Yeah, well, we don't it. want Taiwan to be an independent country. Uh, uh, you know, what I say to that is I, I got I to gotta do this. Isn't that the usual BS? Okay, I mean, come on. That was bad. Yeah, you don't. That was bad. Keep your mouth shut. That's for the president to say. Yeah. Well, what, what uh, I think we should be concerned about is this provocative action to put a, a spy facility, listening facility, any militarization of Cuba and uh this is what we have to make clear i think exposing it using our you know declassifying anything we know about that is one of the best ways to do it so that we can expose china for what they are uh and so that's my response there but what we need to be doing is making sure they have a clear view that the united states and all the uh, allied democratic countries are not for an attack on taiwan this is why i have my bill on Taiwan reassurance that absolutely cuts off every access of China to uh, money in the U.S., visas in the U.S., travel to the U.S., of anyone in the Chinese Communist Party, if they even intimate they're going to do that. And we have a lot of other bills that do that deterrence. But the number one deterrence, besides arming Taiwan, which we've done since 1979, is the fact that uh, people are moving out of China. People are moving out of China. People are looking for another country to move their manufacturing facility to. And that is the number one concern, I think, of the Chinese. And we need to use it to our advantage. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't disagree with, with that at all. We, gotta take a, we need to yeah. take a break, and we'll come back. I'll let you fi- uh, finish up on it. Sorry to break in, but we've got to get a break in. Let's do that, and then when we come back, we'll talk more on this. Then I want to bring up... Uh, a person on the show, we've been talking about him. Now we see the double tier of, of justice in America very clearly. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue uh, along here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest is Congressman French Hill, of course, from District 2. Uh, we've got about Oh, about eight minutes left. Jimmy, you had a question. Yeah, I just was going to get your take, Congressman. You know, I contend that as far as the Chinese thing, even conceiving building a military base 100 miles from our shore, is that if, if, if President Trump was still president, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And that uh, it's clear Joe Biden's foreign policies are dangerous. And I just want to get kind of your take on that. Yeah, I think he's. I think he has uh, followed the Trump policy on China uh, pretty well, uh, but he is not delivering any forceful uh, message other than what we're doing to kick the Russians out of Ukraine because Afghanistan sent the wrong message. I think uh, his attitude uh, just personally sends the wrong message. 
This is the Chinese uh, who are simply saying, we don't want the Americans uh, in the Pacific, where we've been for 80 years, uh, and we want them out. And to prove that we want them out, we're going to start building stuff in the Western Hemisphere. That's what it seems to me. And they're intimidating the countries in the Western Hemisphere <clears throat> who have diplomatic relations with Taiwan. So we need to take a forceful position here. And uh, as I say, all these forceful positions are about arming, <clears throat> arming Taiwan, which we have uh, authority to do and we've been doing since 1979, and the Chinese are fully aware of that. Uh, and secondly, we need to demonstrate uh, economic deterrence against China, and that is the number one thing they should be concerned about because their economy is not in good shape. There. Is, is not the what Blinken did yesterday about what he said about Taiwan, is that not sending a message to our allies about when push comes to shove, you can shove the United States around now and can't depend on them? Well, I think, I think the official policy since 1979 of the United States is that uh, Taiwan is developing as a, uh, you would call it a uh, <coughs> independent country with its own democracy, its own economy, but that it is uh, historically connected to China. And that ambiguity <coughs> is what President Tsai, the head of uh, Taiwan, wants. She wants to leave it, as they call it you know, in Taipei, they call it status quo. They don't want to unify with China, and they're not attempting to become, you know, an independent country. They want to be left alone is the official position of the uh, Taiwan government on the island of Taiwan. Uh, only about, I'd say, 6% of Taiwanese citizens support independence, and something around the same number, 6 7 8% of Taiwanese citizens support unifying, quote-unquote, with the mainland. In other words, they've got a good deal going, and they don't want to rock the boat. And uh, that's kind of where it stands. But what Blinken should be focused on is they want to, that status quo is important. <laughs> he shouldn't even bring it up. What he should be talking about is the U.S., Japan, the Philippines, um, Korea, Europe. We back uh, Taiwan and Taiwan's democracy and Taiwan's citizens' decision about what they want to do. And it's not going to be intimidated by the dictators in Beijing. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we get away from you here today, let me ask you about the whole thing about Hunter Biden. Do yep. pl you know, look, they're saying no no jail time, and he's illegally possessing a gun. I'm going to tell you what. If that was me, I'd already be in jail. I mean, do we not do... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, uh, no, it just it's what we keep talking about. It informs our ordinary American citizens that are hardworking, that follow the rules, that, you know, rich people or government-connected people can do crimes and get off without paying the price. And they all they had to do is look. And that's what frustrates them. And that's why I'm so infuriated about when we don't hold people accountable and they don't pay a price. Um you know, you've got this kid in Cape Cod who I have no idea how this 21-year-old kid has access to compartmentalized classified information that then he goes and posts out on a gaming site. But he's facing 60 months in jail. Yeah. He is. 
And you've got, uh, if, if you and I were uh, routinely caught in possession of narcotics and an illegal gun, I think we'd pay a higher, higher you, price than what Hunter You better Biden. believe it. You would, and that's what law enforcement folks are talking about with this decision. That really is frustrated law enforcement officers. So the one thing I've gotten, the question I've gotten in the last few hours is, oh, my God, that means Hunter Biden's getting off. Well, I mean, Jamie Comer is working his tail off on hunter biden's malfeasance uh and potentially the vice president of the united states now president of the united states joe biden's malfeasance in all this international intrigue and bribery and money laundering <clears throat> and those investigations are going to continue uh and i think this probably just causes uh, house republicans to double down on the oversight committee and the research that they're doing uh so no one here wants to see hunter biden get off the hook and and secondly, nobody wants to see Hunter Biden get a better deal than an ordinary citizen. All right. Thank you very much, Congressman. Yeah. Out of time. We'll talk to you again next week. Congressman French Hill. Time for Bill O'Reilly. So they're saying that today, the high today is going to be 91. It's going to feel like it's 97 if you're out in the sun. What's the weather like out there? It's hot, real hot. Hot in this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Little crotch pot cooking. That's exactly what we're going to do. We haven't been called by uh, Congressman Westerman. He's going to be getting hold of us in a we second. We got good stuff I've been to talk talking to him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I definitely want to talk to him about and and maybe you we can take a few minutes and you can explain this because you were getting uh, text messages about it last night from police officers, and that is saying that uh, Hunter Biden, who everybody knows, is a drug addict. Right. Is in, it has an illegal firearm that he's caught with. Big no-no. And literally, can you hear that? Can you hear that over here? That, that's the slap that I'm giving myself. That's what they did to Hunter Biden. When you start charging local, because this does apply to uh, local law enforcement, county law enforcement, state law enforcement, because so often these, they try to charge folks with these federal charges on drugs and guns. Okay, well, what happens is is that's used as a deterrent or it's used as a deal, hey, we're going to charge you with this, and they get bigger fish this way. Okay, say, look, we're going to go this route or you're going to name somebody. Well, when this happens, it kind of sets a precedent. And so what the concern is— It don't kind of. It does. It does. So if I'm a defense <laughs> lawyer and I've got a client that's uh, on a federal drug and gun charges and we got the gun charge because he had a gun with the drugs— and now you're going, okay, Your Honor, well, per this case and everything, you know, we're going to ask that our client be let off this or given a lot of sense based off this. On a misdemeanor. Yeah, based off, based off this deal that, that was made in this, in this uh, case. So if you think defense attorneys won't use this to help drug dealer clients <laughs> they have, you're wrong. And that's really frustrating. Yeah, to law for, for law enforcement, I would I would agree. Yeah. Joining us, uh, Congressman Westerman now, from down in the uh, the fourth district, and and Congressman, yeah, does this thing about the stuff that's going down with Hunter Biden, does this bother you? It bothers me. Yeah, absolutely, it, it bothers me. Um, and the bigger concern is not what happens to me; is not what happens on these uh, tax and and firearm charges. You know the sweetheart deal he got on that. It's the question is: Is DOJ now going to say, okay, well, we investigated Hunter Biden, we charged him, 
end of story because the real incriminating thing is uh, what happened with all these LLCs that he set up and the, the foreign money that's going into these LLCs that, that uh, as far as anybody can tell, have no purpose. They provide no service. Uh, they're just there to basically launder money uh, that Hunter Biden's receiving from foreign governments. Now, uh, this is disturbing what they've done on these uh, charges, but it's going to be really, really bad if they turn the blind eye or if they don't even investigate the money going into these LLCs. And as um, my friend Jamie Comer, who chairs the Oversight Committee, told me a few weeks ago, he said it's pretty bad when you're getting money from foreign countries and the uh, most respectable one on the list is China. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that yeah, is. You, now you're, t- you're speaking, Jaron. Uh, Jamie Comer is that, that's the uh, congressman from Kentucky, correct? Right, and he chairs the oversight right. committee. And then I was just talking uh, with with Jim Jordan yesterday afternoon. Uh, he's really concerned about this. But uh, you know, Durham's going to be in. I can't remember if Durham's going to be in front of judiciary or oversight today. Uh, but from everything I'm hearing from from people who are really digging into this, the the evidence is just growing. That it's not, um, you know, if they dig more into it, it's not that Hunter Biden's looking less guilty. That uh, they're finding more and more stuff on him. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, there's this reference to the big guy and a lot of stuff. The mm-hmm. big guy did this, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out. Congressman, let, let me ask you this, because the fact is is that the FBI and the DOJ become so politicized by the left, and they use it as, as a weapon to protect themselves and go after conservatives. But my point is to the Americans, how do we get DOJ and FBI back on track where they're not a political organization, they're not doing that? That's going to be a hard road to hoe, isn't it? Yeah, now, uh, I've said this all along. There's some great Americans, great public servants that work for the FBI, work in the DOJ. It's at the leadership level where the problems are, and that's where it's the role of Congress to step in. And uh, whether it's fund, uh, funding cuts, uh, reigning in power, uh, you know, this it's, <clears throat> the judicial is not the justice the legal system of the government, the judicial department, is part of the executive branch, and you know it's not the not the court system. It's the Department of Justice, which um, is part of the executive branch, and we've just allowed, like all these other agencies, to gain too much power and too much control. And Congress has the ability to rein that in. Now it may take a Republican president or or a, a president who will sign the bills that Congress passes to do that, but. I actually sense a bit of uh, uh, some bipartisan concern about what's happening in these agencies and the desire for the legislative branch to to reassert itself because, um, you know, it's not, DOJ and, and FBI is the ones that uh, are in the news today, but it'll be a different agency tomorrow. And this uh, army of and the, the fourth wheel of government, the, the a career bureaucrat, are running the country now. They don't, um, you know, the political appointees, even in the Biden administration, these career bureaucrats don't have to listen to them. They don't really care what they say. They do their own thing. Now, it, 
what happens is you get career bureaucrats or Democrats for the most part and a Democrat administration like this one, and they pretty much walk hand in hand uh, on their policy issues. Uh, so, you know, it really shows when you get uh, an administration like the Trump administration, which was trying to, uh, when, when, when Trump would say drain the swamp, to me that is the swamp. That is the part that, that he's talking about cleaning up. Uh, so you, you saw a great conflict there. You saw career bureaucrats who just wouldn't do their job. They wouldn't do what they were being told to do. And because of um, unionization and laws that have been passed, you can't get rid of these career bureaucrats. Uh, but then you get the Biden administration that comes along, and they're like cheering these career bureaucrats along for the, for the most part. Um, so that's that's the situation that we're in now. And, and you've got this stuff where if if you're a Democrat, uh, they treat you with uh, kids' gloves, with uh, Velcro gloves or, or velvet gloves over top of their fists. But if you have any connection to the former president, Trump, you're hammered. Yeah. Uh, can, just imagine. Just And it's not just the... The bureaucratic estate—it's the um, the Washington Post and the liberal news organizations that are out there too. Uh, just imagine for a moment if this was Donald Trump Jr., who had tax and firearm charges, and they slapped him on the wrist and said, uh, "I think what's what's his def- his defense is that he was." too high at the time to have filed his taxes or something, Hunter <laughs> yeah, like Biden yeah, saying. Yeah. Can, can you imagine what that would be like if, uh, and if had, uh, had Ivanka Trump received money from um, Ukraine and Russia and Iran and all these despots from around the world and funneled it through a, uh, an LLC to family members? Do you think you'd be hearing more about that in the press? Yeah, I would think so. We'd hear a lot more. Oh, and you know, screaming. We had that conversation goes, during the break. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about. Let me move you on. Uh, I got a, a piece. I'm not going to play it uh, because it would take up too much time. It would take six minutes. But the governor of, of uh, South Dakota was in front of your committee uh, just recently. What was uh, – she evidently had some serious things to talk to your committee about. Yeah, it's Governor Nome, who a uh, good friend of mine, used to serve in Congress with us. But uh, there's this rule that the BLM has put out. That's the Bureau of Land Management. I know there's another BLM out there now, but this is a federal agency that oversees a lot of uh, land in the West. And they're trying to establish this rule that they're calling a, it sounds good, uh, uh, they're, they're building it around conservation, but what they're trying to do is create a new use that Congress never established for our federal lands so that they can go in and sell these conservation easements to NGOs and other groups uh, that are supposedly going to come in and take care of the land. But all it's going to do is lock up land and deny people access and deny us from developing uh, resources off of the land. Uh, the, these federal agencies are supposed to be practicing conservation in everything they do. Um, you know, that's, uh, it's supposed to be good stewardship. It's supposed to be, you know, leaving stuff in a better shape than we found it. But all of a sudden they've got this 
marketing scheme where they want to try to lock up more land and call it a conservation easement <clears throat> and uh, you know run cattle grazers off the land uh, not pro- allow any oil or gas or mining development on the land not allow any kind of uh, forest management and this is going to be devastating to states like South Dakota we also had Governor Gordon from Wyoming testifying at the committee and they were talking about the the economic damage it would do to their states if the BLM were able to put this rule into place. And again, this isn't a law Congress passed. This is uh, career bureaucrats at the Department of Interior and BLM writing these rules. And uh, and it's a system where they get to make the law, they get to enforce the law. If somebody breaks the law, they become the judge and the jury and the executioner of the law. And it's nothing that Congress ever gave them the uh, the express authority to do. It, it started back in the uh, FDR administration when Congress passed something called the uh, um, the Administrative Powers Act, and the administration has just grown exponentially since then. And you've got entrenched bureaucrats that are writing and enforcing the laws and. You have administrative law judges that, you know, they're not in an Article Three court. They're just a judge that an agency has uh, that gets to go in and decide if you broke the agency's rule or not. Um, so, you know, these are the kind of things that we push back on all the time, and they, they cause major problems, especially in these western states when they just keep locking up more and more land. Um, and it hurts our national economy because it makes us more dependent on foreign countries for the goods that we use. All right. We're going to come back. Got to take a quick break. When we come back, Congressman, I'd like to talk to you about the story uh, that broke overnight that uh, China wants to build a military base within 100 uh, miles of the uh, American border. We'll talk to you about that when we come back. Don't forget about uh, Pat Davis. Don't forget about his health plan man, Learn about how you can get 30 to 50% cut off on your health premiums, that you can get rid of all those co-pays, that you can reduce the uh, deductibles that you pay, and uh, you can just save a whole lot of money, thousands of dollars if you're a, a, an individual or family, tens of thousands of dollars if you happen to be a small business. You can call or text them at one 501 605 that's one five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five, or visit them online at yourhealthplanman.com. That's yourhealthplanman.com. Our guest is uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Bruce, uh, last question from me today. Uh, just big story broke last night. Chinese are building a uh, military base, not not a listening site, but a military base in Cuba. 100 miles off the coast of uh, the United States. What do you think? Unbelievable. I don't know if that's what Blinken went to Beijing to talk about, but it's it's we, we've got to wake up at some point. This administration has to wake up at some point and realize that China is a real threat. They're not playing around. They want to dominate the world. They see weakness in leadership here. And how bold to come and negotiate with Cuba to build a military base 100 miles off the coast of the U.S. You know, at the, there, there was a, a time in this country before I was born where I understand we had a Democrat president that uh, 
said heck no to uh, our adversaries putting military assets in Cuba. I was alive. Yeah. I can, can I can yeah. tell you, yeah, yeah, that did happen. Mexican standoff. Call, yeah. It was called the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. if anybody wants to look it up in the history of our country. Well, it, it does, Mayor and Congressman. Let me ask you this. We, we've known that Joe Biden's foreign policies have been terrible for decades. His thoughts on him. This is a product for this, but I can't help but think if if President Trump was still president, we wouldn't be having a conversation about China trying to build a military base in Cuba. Uh, it wouldn't be a very long conversation. No. And, <laughs> and this gets back to uh, you know Hunter Biden and his LLCs. Who has who has compromised um, mm. this president? That's a good question. Is, yeah. Well, Blinken's uh, over there playing footsie with him. Yeah, let, let, let's let him finish. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead and finish up, Congressman. Well, I'm just saying, it's uh, there's uh, there's too many things that are quacking like a duck right now. And uh, you, you see these LLCs that have uh, that Hunter Biden funneled money through to the Biden family. And we know that uh, the, the bank records show that this is from uh, China and others. And you see everything this administration does seems to be pro-China. And, you know, this uh, Green New Deal mess that they're pushing on us is playing right into the hands of China. We're taking jobs from America, taking taxpayer dollars and buying uh, Chinese solar panels, Chinese electric components, and um doing nothing they're they're saying they're doing this in the name of the climate but they're doing nothing to help the environment uh, or nothing to help the american economy and i i just hope the american voters wake up and these um send send a republican majority in the house the senate and the white house up here to try to straighten this mess out and thank goodness we've got a, a toehold with a slim majority in the house to stop as much of the crazy stuff as we can right now yeah, it's it's. I don't know how exactly to 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 say. I just can't believe we in in the short amount of time from '63 to now, we went to throwing the Russians out of Cuba with missiles to saying to the Chinese, "Oh, you're going to build a military base? Oh, okay." I mean, yeah. I, that's amazing to me. Spooky. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we can go all the way back to the Monroe Doctrine if we want to. I, I think Congressman laid it out. The last two minutes, he has laid it out for the American people. Yeah. I mean, if you can't connect those dots. I agree. Congressman, well, go ahead. Finish up. We'll let you finish up. Yeah, oh, I'm just saying that, um, you know, en- enough's enough. And the the other scary part about this, if Jamie Comer wasn't chairing the Oversight Committee and Jim Jordan wasn't chairing the Judiciary Committee, we wouldn't we would see stuff happening and wouldn't have any idea why it's happening or, or any way to push back on it. This kind of stuff was happening when Nancy Pelosi was speaker, but you had Pelosi and Schumer and Biden, and they were all alive and uh, turning a blind eye to everything they did. So um, thank goodness we're getting a little bit of the truth out right now, and we're able to push back and, and let the American people know what's happening. I, I hope the, the media in this country wakes up at some point and realizes that there is no free press under uh, – communist control and if they would like to keep uh their jobs and their their news organizations going they need to start reporting the truth 
I got you. Congressman, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Uh, Get back to your committee. All right. Have a great day. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. All right. Dave Ellswick show. Get ready. Nine o'clock or eight o'clock hour. Big bombshell coming. You're not going to believe what teachers are being taught under the auspices of uh, what do they call it? Some kind of special learning. Yeah, behavioral deal. It's 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 a sham. And, uh, it's going to be it's going to be big. So hang in they, yeah, when they bring all the teachers in, they say, "Oh, you should be leaving." Professional them. development. There we go. Professional development. We'll be back to tell you about some of this professional development in just a moment. Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on! I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-woo! It's hump day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's always a good thing. I love that camel. I, lo- I'm, yeah. I love that I've, camel. I've loved that ad from the first moment oh, I saw yeah. it. Oh, yeah. How can you not? I loved it walking around that work area. Mike, 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 Mike. Yeah, I just love it. <laughs> that never gets old. No, it doesn't. I like it. like yeah. it a lot. It is hump day. It is the first day of summer. That's that's what it is. It's, What's you know, the weather like out there? It's hot, real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. <laughs> you know, i got to say something real quick. I was listening to another radio station on the way down, and the guy was saying, well, what's the summer solstice? And I'm going, you are not from here. Okay? <laughs> Folks around here, we don't call it the summer solstice, solstice. okay? It's just summer. It's hot. Yeah, I mean, That's I'm, what we call it. It's hot. Summer solstice. What time of year is it? Hot. Yeah. <laughs> solstice. It's going to get hotter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, tell you, when we were when we were coming up on the farm hauling hay in Lone Oak County, you didn't say summer we didn't, solstice. No, we didn't say summer solstice. <laughs> I mean, what station are you listening to? I can't W-O-A-I? say. I can't say, Dave. It would hurt the guy's feelings. No, you okay. know him, but it would hurt his feelings. Oh no, you're not talking about. Uh, you know, well, never mind. Never mind. We won't get it, into it. Hurt his anyway, feelings. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> Yeah, is his first name somebody with a T? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But but he's a nice guy. He is. He's a good. He's a nice guy. He is a good guy. I mean, he really is. I, I I really appreciate. People, you, I haven't yeah. had lunch with him lately. I'm going to have to have lunch with him. But you say you go down where I'm from, and you say, "Boy, the summer to start day," and you're going to get a ton of looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, you mean summer? The boy ain't from here. Right? <laughs> you mean summer? Is that what you're talking about? Susie right. knows that, don't yeah. you, Susie? Yeah, I'm from South Arkansas. Yeah. It's just yeah. summer. She yeah. is from South Arkansas. Yep. You are from uh, Central Arkansas. Lone Oak County. Now, I am a damn Yankee. I'm the first one to admit it. All right? I'm <laughs> yeah, a Yankee I'll go with that. Who, I'm a Yankee yeah. who came down here and stayed. All right? But, but I was raised Southern. My mother was from Louisville. My dad was from Charleston, West yeah. Virginia. Both my brothers were from Louisville. I'm the only one born north in the Mason-Dixon. But I was raised on sweet tea in my bottle. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm gonna say this and gravy and all of that stuff. And and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or anybody else's, but we had an old saying. I said, you know what, Yankees are like hemorrhoids. They're just they're just fine as long as they go back up. Yeah, well, as long as they're not pronounced. Yeah, and so right until they come down, they say. My family always said the best kind of Yankee was a. Dead Yankee. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Just saying. I can understand. South cannot, Arkansas thing. I'm going to tell you, for, with most but, Yankees, I can understand why they would say that. But know? then again, we think anyone north of you know Little Rock and of 
above <laughs> our Yankees in South Arkansas. Right. Yeah. Little Rock's Yankees. Yeah. Well, I agree that's with how that. Southern, I agree that's with how that. Southern that is. Little Rock, Little Rock is the New York City of the South. It wishes. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a little New York City of the South. I don't know. I, 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 mean, might, I might give them a, a break and not take them that badly until I get to Fayetteville. Then I would say that's New yeah. York of the oh, South. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a New York as a South. whole different way of thinking. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, uh, yes, it's much more urban and hip. And you said it right there. I just that urban word. It's okay, urban. now we're well, you know, metropolitan. You're, you're in trouble. You, for now you're hearing, urban. Urban. Oh, you're hearing no. another voice. Okay, <laughs> Jimmy did not did not declare that he was a female when when I was during the break. No. All right, Susie Parker is here. Yeah, one of my favorite people. So she's been, she's been, you're going to hear more. Susan. And you she are female, correct? We just Definitely. Want we have to clarify. <laughs> Definitely. No question. You got pronouns Any pronouns going? She. Okay. Yeah, she. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my pronoun. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We, now, I promised you that we're going to talk about something today going to probably irritate you. And if it doesn't, it makes me, it worries me if it doesn't irritate you. Um, you know, I talk about race baiters all the time. I, 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 I had to deal with one of the best in Jesse Jackson. Okay. When I, yeah, first, was, first job I ever had was with the Chicago Sun. Doesn't exist anymore. And uh, me and Lady were working on a series on Operation Breadbasket. Now, a lot of you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to be honest. You have no idea. I will just tell you, Google it. And read about it. And I will tell you, a lot of that money was not getting to poor people. Was not being used no. to feed the poor. It was it was used to feed the Jesse Jackson machine. And uh, I have no respect for that man. None. Zero. 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 And uh, he is a race baiter. What do I mean by that? That means it's a person that goes out, twists the context of words and events, and uh, uses them in a way that is just total misinformation, and uh, that's going. It's going on. It, it continues. Uh, Al Sharpton took up Jesse's mantle a few took years. Took it to a new level. Yeah, for yeah. a few years ago, because Jesse got old in the tooth and just yeah. couldn't keep on. Now his son tried to do like he did, but he got caught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he got in a lot of trouble. But uh, yeah, I I've been look. If you're going to call me and you're going to say. You racist, blah, 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 go right ahead. I've heard it. I heard it back in the 80s. I heard it in the 70s. All right? And it does not affect me at all. We don't care. In fact, I'm like Lenny Bruce. The more you use that word, the less it means to me. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly how I feel about it. Racist, homophobe, bigot. Yeah, I'm used to all of that. I definitely use all of that. Yeah. Yeah, bring, bring, you know what? You want to make an impression on me? Bring some facts. Yeah. And use them correctly. Uh, the uh, North Little Rock School District yeah. had teachers at development. When was when when was this teachers development? To Friday, Jimmy? Ju- Friday, June ninth. Okay, now you dug this up. As I say it to everybody. Jimmy is my number one muckraker. <laughs> and when I say muckraker, that's not a bad term. Oh, There's you. been fantastic muckrakers in the history of journalism for years and years and years. Yeah, I, 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 I'm proud of that. You, you know, I'm proud of all the names. It's a person get, that yeah. gets down in the mud if he has to yeah. to find the truth. Yeah, and I, I don't mind getting dirty. 
Well, you got to get and, dirty uh, with the with the politicians and some of these yeah, people. Yeah, I'll get knee deep with them. And what we're finding in North Little Rock School District and is <clears throat> I've known about these programs for a long time. We all have. And some some staff members, several staff members at North Rock School District. When I say several, I mean a lot. Started contacting me the night that Friday night and over the weekend about a professional development that they were mandated to attend they, they had already gone to it right yes okay and uh and it's it's under a pretense it was put on by a lady named dubby burrow from arkansas state university and this is a program she created now i have to say something sure. all right dovey d-o-v-i-e because it sounds like you're saying w burrow to yeah. me all right i'm gonna diss on your accent no 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 bit. it's just the lone oak county in me <laughs> and but but the folk, the folks in Lono County, know I'm saying Dovey. Okay, I got you. Okay, it's Dovey. All right. So, yes, D O U V I E Dovey Burl as in Dove, and it's a it's a professional development that was put on the North Rock School District for 400 uh, teachers and administrators. All right. To Susie Parker, had you had her, heard anything about these professional developments? Yes. Oh, you have. Yes. All right. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> well, I just discovered it a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's not okay. this one. Oh, the, it's oh, another okay. one. We're going to talk about one. Sheridan, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, we're going to talk, we'll talk got, about it in Sheridan. Okay, yeah. then, yep. it's different than this one. Just so you know. Yeah, it is, but, but it's professional development. Yeah, professional we're, we're talking about you got to you got to stuff the minds of your teachers with the crap that the administration wants them to teach to the children. Professional developments are done at all school districts. They're done every year, several of them a year. And what they are is they're no different than a continuing education, and it counts, and you have to have so much time in professional developments. And the, the key is what's in the professional developments, okay? And so what I always say, and we talked about this, Dave, you know, I, I asked the question, how do you indoctrinate children in public school well you have to start by indoctrinating the teachers who teach them yeah they got to believe what they're teaching right. or it won't be any good so at arkansas state they have a a division that's um, uh positive behavioral intervention and support okay that's, say that again slowly positive behavioral interventions and support doesn't that like sound any, cute? like yeah. anything else this is the left saying the words they got to say to make yeah. you feel comfortable. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and so it was It was developed by W. Burrell at Arkansas State, who is a uh, project manager, manager in that division at Arkansas State. And this professional development is titled Culturally Responsive Practices and Positive Behavioral Inventions and Support. So on its name, you think, okay. Yeah, okay, this is probably worth going to and listening to, right? Yeah, well, we're going to listen to some of this in just a moment. This is straight critical race theory. It's Marxist. Yeah. Not only is it Marxist, let me just say that this lady, Kimberly Jones, that you're going to hear in a few moments, uh, what she has to say, you tell me this is the stuff that you want to feed into your teachers and you want your teachers then to, in in kind, feed to the students. Yeah. And that's what you're going to have to – I want you to get in this mindset now. Well, the the pretense of this is that you are already biased and racist to the white teachers in there. 
All the okay. white teachers are biased yeah. and racist. Uh, intention, you, you have to acknowledge that you, this is part of the PD. You have to acknowledge that you harbor unconscious biases. <laughs> How? Okay. Let me, let me mean, stop. What? Stop right there. How <laughs> can anybody say that to themselves, you know, I have unconscious biases? Because if it's unconscious, you never it never passes through your mind. Yeah. What, Go ahead. Go ahead. Susan. What grade are these teachers? P through teach? 12. Okay. I've got a P through 12, too. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you have to pay attention to your triggers and know when a stereotypical responses or assumptions are activated. You know what my trigger is? People that take things out of context. Yeah. You know what and mine twist is? It. When taxpayers have to pay for this. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's even yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going yeah. to talk about that, too. And, uh, uh, you have to make time to practice new strategies designed to break your automatic associations that link a negative judgment to behavior that is culturally different from yours. Boy, how much did that paragraph cost the taxpayers? They packed that hundred thousand dollars. Probably so, maybe more. In a, in a, what it's designed to, and I'm scrolling th- through it, is uh, they or trying to teach them how to start a conversation about systemic racism. So what they're saying is systemic racism is just a given. It exists. That's, and that's the point that really right. bothers me about all of this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the starting point is this exists, and we're going to show you why it exists, mm-hmm. and then we're going to take everything that we tell you out of context to make it even more impressed upon you that it exists. Well, and what they're telling teachers is, is you know, how to start a conversation about systemic racism. Well, who are they going to start that conversation with? Their students. Okay? So, and I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to get it more in depth and we'll read it, but this is a violation of Governor Sanders' executive order. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and, and we're, let me... I'm going to make you stop right there because I want to tell the rest of that story with you after we play this stuff. Sure. All right. We're going to take a break. It's 19 minutes after 8. I need to tell you about East End Towing and how good they are. You know about it. I've been talking about them for for months. Uh, They know all the ins and outs of the laws dealing with towing. They have the equipment to deal with the smallest car, one of those little greeny cars that you see that holds two people, you know, in them. Uh, all the way up to an 18-wheeler. All you have to do is call them. I'm going to try to tell you, make sure you call East End Towing, and I'm I'm sure you'll stay out of the impound lot if you'll call them and just tell them where you want your car taken because that's where they'll take it. East End Towing's phone number is 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849, East End Towing. All right. When I call people muckrakers, you got to understand what I'm saying. Muckrakers started at uh, the end of the 19th century, moved into the 20th century, and they are the people who go in. They are journalists. The, instead of muckrakers, now they call them investigative journalists. Very few papers, very few television stations have investigative journalists anymore. They're not out digging trying to find what's really going on behind the scenes. That's what a muckraker does. And I'm trying, off the top of my head, I'm trying to to remember the name of 
the, in the late 20th century, in the 70s and the 80s, there was a particular muckraker um, investigative journalist that wrote several big blockbuster books about the federal government. And I just, his name has just jumped out of my head. I'm having a Biden moment here. Give me a moment here. To, I'll, well, I'll remember his name. I also name. think that what used to be a mainstay of, of, of local news organizations, newspapers and television stations across the country, was those local investigative reporters that would get you the local stories like this and things like that. And we just don't have it anymore. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette, they've got some guys that write articles, but they really truly are not investigative reporters. The the last one who's now in St. Louis that was objective and really dug in on the investigations was Mitch McCoy at Channel 4 and Fox 16. He has moved on to bigger pastures, and good for him. But in central Arkansas, you really don't have that. Now, when you get out in the communities, like I'll say, um, Stan Morris with Nor- Northeast Arkansas Report, okay, he does what I call investigative uh, reporting. Um uh, Jeannie Burrell's work with Secure Arkansas. Uh, Susie right here in South Arkansas was Sonny. How do you say his name? I know. I know. I call him Sonny, but <laughs> that's I mean, what I call him. Yeah, because he's with Arkansas Advocate. Yeah, yeah. And the, they do, but in Central Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, and those bigger markets, you got nothing. All right. Well, they don't teach it in journalism anymore. Yeah. Okay, so no, no, no. It's advocacy journalism. It's no, spoon it's not, fed. It is yeah. not objective no. journalism. Spoon fed. Uh, with that said. Uh, let, let me get into this, uh, get into the meat of this, because I've been telling you about it. Uh, Kimberly Jones. Kimberly Jones is known from Black, Black Lives Matter. Uh, she recorded a piece on the Internet right after the George Floyd situation in Minneapolis, explaining what was going on in the streets of Minneapolis. And they played this back to the teachers. Uh, at this, this, this was thing. a. There, there are several videos, and we're going to do a couple of them. But this is, was a big part of this professional development that was put on North Rock School District. Now, I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's about almost ten minutes long. I'm going to play about three minutes of this. I'm going to play the end of it. All right, the beginning of it. She uses a monopoly game as in, an analogy. In mind, as an analogy of what what goes on in race. Then she gets into talking about why are they rioting and things of that nature. And this is what they played for the teachers uh, in North Little Rock. So I've, I've been seeing a lot of things talking of the people making commentary. Um, interestingly enough, the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we should not be... Um, rioting, we should not be looting, we should not be tearing up our own communities. And then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket. We should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money. Um, But, you know, I feel like we should do both. And I feel like I support both. And I'll tell you why I support both. I support both because when you have a civil unrest like this, there are three types of people in the streets. There are the protesters, there are the rioters, and there are the looters. 
The protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community. They want to raise their voices and they are there strictly to protest. You have the rioters who are angry, who are anarchists, who really just want to, and that's what they're going to do regardless. And then you have the looters. And the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that, to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why. And that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff. Okay, well then, let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt and flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting, that's their only opportunity to get it. We need to be questioning that why. Why are people that poor? Why are people that broke? Why are people that that food insecure, that clothing insecure, that they feel like they're only shot, that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South right. and the textile we stop work it right in there the for North. Right now. We'll pick it up. All right. Do you understand? We'll pick it, stay, stay right there. We're going to pick all of this up for you in uh, just uh, just a moment. Uh, and then I'll get you back to Marxism 101 in just a moment. Okay, we're back with you here on the Dave Elzer Show. You're going to play from over there? Good, because I can't uh, go back and pick it from a certain uh, position. I'm talking to Aaron the producer uh we got up to where kimberly jones who is nationally known because of this piece of of uh internet drivel that she put out uh during uh, the george floyd riots i like how she says to understand rioting you, you gotta you know we're supposed to just accept it evidently and then figure out why it happens it's just like people who say well why did a person kill somebody? I don't care. You killed somebody. You need to be punished if you took somebody's life. You know, I'm not going to look into were you potty trained yeah. right or wrong in your youth. I'm not going to be looking into that. She's going to, when we start up, she's going to even actually, with the folks listening, get ready because she's actually going to take it to another level. Well, I'm just going to say right to the point that we're at now, she has told you it does not matter mm-hmm. that these people were stealing things. That does not matter. It's why did they steal those things that matter. So let's pick it up there. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? 
That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you, and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money, I didn't allow you to have anything on the board, I didn't allow for you to have anything, and Hold then on. Stop we played it. Stop another it right 50 rounds first. of Monopoly. Stop it right there first. All right. The textile industry in the North paid black workers. I want you to understand that. They paid those black workers to work in those factories. And the blacks that came to those textile uh, uh, places wanted to get a job where they could earn money. So they were paid. Don't take it that they weren't, it, it wasn't slave labor. That is not what was happening in the North. In the South, it was different. It was, you know, was that was your, the, that, that, was South, your yeah. that was your uh, your property that you were using. All right, let's go on. Then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly, and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. There are pla- those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. Okay, stop that there. All right. Tulsa happened. We yep. know what happened, yep. okay? Yep. They went downtown. And uh, there was word that somebody had raped a white woman or whatever. They went in and they they lost their minds and they went down and they did that. It was a massacre. Rosewood, it was basically the exact same thing. That's two examples out of how many years? Over 100 years. Well, and you could even... They didn't go... I'm telling you, the reason they went into those towns and did what they did had nothing to do... With the, that they were economic beacons for the black community. Didn't have anything to do with it. Look, at, I, I grew up outside of Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana one time had one of the most thriving black areas in the Midwest. You want to know why that went away? Government policies that were passed during the Johnson uh, administration. That's why they went away. Okay, keep going. Yeah places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them, and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play. And every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your Monopoly money. And then finally at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played, I, if you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood. How can you win? She sets up a straw man, then she knocks it down. 
You can't win. The game is fixed. All right. There you go. She sets up the straw man, then she sits it down. You know what she doesn't explain? She doesn't explain after Tulsa, after Rosewood, how about all those communities that still thrive? The communities in Gary, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, Harlem in New York. I can go on and on and on as people who continued to uh, benefit. Well, I, let me say this, because we, there were atrocities back in those days, and there were. I mean, we can look at Elaine, Arkansas. Susie can talk about that as well. We can talk about all that stuff. We're not saying that those things didn't happen. What does that have to do with now? Nothing. That's 100 years. You realize Tulsa happened in 1923. Yeah. This woman was born in 1978. She doesn't understand. We've dealt. We understand what happened there. We've dealt with a lot of it. There's a lot of laws and things now that have been passed that won't let that ever, ever happen again. You try to take a bunch of white people into a black community now and just burn it down see what happens. Well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these full videos on my page and I want people listening because she actually goes further to say that that she doesn't care about Target stores burning, and she uses some the F word and everything yeah. else. And, and and this is what the teachers are, and she doesn't care about that burning and everything. And she actually goes to a point that she says that she says that these riots, uh, rioting, looting, destruction of property was justified. And that it should be continued. Yeah. Must she start right at the beginning justifying people yeah. going in and taking stuff out of stores? We're looking, I'm, <laughs> we're looking at Susie. And Susie's, Susie's just going, dismayed. She's sitting there going, I can't believe this woman just said all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and they play, Susie, they played that for teachers. Well, I can't believe my tax money is going to this. I will always go back to the tax money. Yeah, yeah, which is I'm pretty on fire about lately. Yeah, I, you know, so. I mean, because my question is, why was the who? Uh, give me a little history on like how this came about. Like well, you know, like okay, well, let me give you the history okay. of it. Not not Tulsa. I mean, I got no, the I got, I got the. I don't have to do Tulsa. Let's let's figure out systemic racism no 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 i'm just talking about like how did this woman get to do this program because arkansas state is paying her funding her to do it yeah okay arkansas state university a state university yes i went there (laughs) unfortunately i guess i am an alumni i know know we're gonna have another i got another clip but when but we got to read this poem as well you want to do that now or after the clip or uh i think i'm going to play the clip uh somebody just texted me and asked who was that again kimberly jones you can google her she's written a book as well she's made her money off of race baiting i'm just telling you that's what she's making her money off of i'm gonna post the entire video okay so folks will get to see it all you know but the bottom line is it when she gets into rosewood and she gets into tulsa and all the rest this is true it's true history but it's history that it's uh, relevance to all of us is that it spurred people to do better things after it happened. It's not like it's like that now. When's the last time you heard a bunch of white people going into a black area and killing everybody? The last time I saw black communities being burned, it was 
by people that lived in those communities. Yeah, I can, I can tell you about that. Look, I lived up in outside of Gary. I saw Detroit. I saw Chicago during the 60s. I saw when they were. Don't tell me you don't own that. Well, you you talk to the black owners of those businesses yeah. that lost their businesses, and they'll tell you different. They own those businesses. Yeah, Baltimore, Ferguson. You go talk to those black business owners. And I remember when they were interviewed, and they were devastated. And and it's a false narrative because people weren't doing that. And she goes into the point that that police. She makes the case that police officers are killing them and they really take an anti-police stance in this professional development and we're going to talk about that as it affects the pd officers sure in north little rock but there's uh, there's a poem that she included in this that it was written by her daughter denisha burrell who is a teacher here in arkansas and i want you to read this because this is the message they want to give young black men in schools okay, okay. we'll get to it we'll get to it i, I will let you know all the information that you're hearing, the Secretary of Education, Oliva, has at his disposal now, and he's not happy. No, he's not happy about it one bit. i got to believe that if he's got it, the governor's got it. Now, she's coming back from Europe. I can only imagine you get back from a trip, and you sit down, and this is on your desk. Well, I'm just going to throw in while he's looking to check out Capturing Kids' Hearts. I'll just keep saying it. Yeah, we're going to talk the color, about the it. color. Yeah, gonna, it, there's no color with that. hearts. Yeah, <laughs> but just I'm throwing it out for him it's as the, he's listening. It's yeah. the same indoctrination, of, just a different type of indoctrination. In yes, yes. In in uh, but Oliva, yes, I t- I had a conversation with uh, Secretary Oliva yesterday about this. I wonder if he had any idea what he was run, walking into. No, you know, I mean seriously. What he's walked into. I don't, you know, I agree with it. I don't think he did know what he was walking into when he came here, but I can tell you this he ain't, he ain't backing up. He's hitting it head on. And uh, he's he's not shying away from any problems. How do I get a meeting with him? And, uh, well, <laughs> well, now, me. now let, let, let me clarify. I didn't have a meeting with him because yeah, of what I sent him. Yeah, what I sent him yesterday. He t- he was proactive and contacted me about it. We had a phone conversation. Right. Okay, well, I'll be. Uh, contacting him as well all right yeah, well i'm sure he'll be he'll be happy to hear what you can offer to him on this because he is literally a new what, sheriff in town when i man. talked to oliva the first time on this show does everybody remember what he said i asked him about these sidebar issues i call them sidebar issues and uh, he said to me dave We'll get to those issues, and we'll talk about those issues. But don't you think it's more important that our kids read first? And I agree wholeheartedly with what he said. Yeah. Absolutely. When they're teaching the the North Little Rock teachers this, all right, and what what was the percentage? 75.9% of students at North Little Rock School District cannot read at grade level. Okay. 75.9%. All right. So what is their real, you know, goal here? Is it to indoctrinate your child? Well, in this case, the teacher, so they can indoctrinate your child. Or is it to teach your child to read, write, and do an arithmetic? I figure this woman that gave this presentation has some sort of connection to that school district and is getting money. We'll have to find out. <laughs> well, she... Th- you know what I mean? Because that's kind of how some of this stuff works. 
All right. Let me tell everybody about ERC, <laughs> Employee Retention Credit. i got to take a break. I've been told. Uh, you get up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. It's a refundable tax credit. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. There's no strings attached on the funds. Uh, you can qualify for it now. They've got new qualifications. And you can get both the ERC and the PPP. What you need to do is go look at uh, all the requisites and the things that you have to do. Uh, go to ERCEZ123. That's ERCEZ123.com. All right, now, in the next hour, this is going to go on for a few hours, folks, all right? In the next hour, we're going to play another. Uh, this was a video. I'm going to play the audio of it for you. It reminds me, the way it was done, it reminds me of the School of Rock from a Marxist standpoint. It's scary. Well, now, now, it's called systemic racism is what it's called. Let's, let's remind everybody, and we're going to talk about this the rest of the morning too, but at 9 o'clock we got Tracy Abstin scheduled to come on to talk about the homeless in Little Rock. Yeah, we want to do and that And then at too. 9.30 we'll go right back to, yeah. to this. We had already set that up. And then we're going to talk about this program down in, in, Sheridan. Uh, in Sheridan as well. This is infected education. I'm just telling you, it's an infection, and we, and look, we got to clean it out. If you don't clean it out, your kids are never going to learn to read. I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to so far most thing seeing Secretary Jacob believe is praise is good. When you talk about cleaning it out, yeah, I agree. When he got here, when you said, "Hey, I don't know what he's," he didn't know what he was getting into, and I agree with that. But he's not shying away oh, from no, it either. No, he's no, fighting. No, yeah, no. he's he's coming. I'm just saying, when you get into Arkansas, you never know what you're getting into. Right, <laughs> and and like this issue, I have right now. I have complete confidence he is taking this issue on. Oh yeah, and you want yeah. to know who already took the issue on and. I I bet you they get involved in it as well, and that's that's Governor Sanders. I hope she does, and I'll Th- go ahead. This and is the kind of stuff that the governor, or the Secretary of Education, whomever, needs to call a press conference, and they need to shine the light on it. I, and I think you know they need to look at you know legislative audit. The legislative audit only gives. So I'm about the money. Uh, obviously you know and the audit just so everything looks kind of okay you know they need to go in and do like a forensic audit on some of these programs they need the like legislative committee to, to do right. yes on all these schools not just all of them i agree because well, we there's so get, many we need to get kim hammer on with us sometime there's so many yeah. issues and Mark johnson and it's kind of a waste of money well, and time kind of yeah well it definitely is, it is yeah. a waste of money yes i'm gonna let the go ahead and let the cat out of the bag and i don't care if greg Pulaski or anybody north rock hears it or not because i'm gonna come at you head on i am filing a complaint with the ethics complaint with arkansas department of education for them violating governor sanders uh executive order which read, we'll read you got the order yeah read it read it read it right now we've got a few moments here is what the governor uh, signed as an executive order in her first few days of office. Yeah. And uh, we're going to read that to you so and, uh, you can hear it. I'm going to let Susie, you read it. Susie reads better than me because okay. I, I've got that Lone Oak County. <laughs> I've got the Pablo right. of South Arkansas. Whereas schools must educate, not indoctrinate students, and their education policies must protect children and prepare them to enter the workforce. Whereas teachers and school administrators should teach students how to think, not what to think. Whereas critical race theory, CRT, is anti, I can't see that, anti, I don't, I don't have my glasses. And, uh, and uh, okay. ethical. Yes. 
um, to the traditional American values of neutrality, equality, and fairness. It emphasizes skin color as a person's primary characteristic, thereby resurrecting segregationist values, which America has fought so hard to reject. Whereas it is the policy of the administration that CRT discrimination and indoctrination have no place in Arkansas classrooms. Whereas government policies must empower parents to make decisions for their children and foster curriculum transparency in classrooms across the state. And whereas the Constitution of the State of Arkansas and the Constitution of the United States of America recognize the equal value of every individual and provide equal protection under the law, regardless of color, creed, race, ethnicity, I can never say that word, sex, <laughs> age, marital status, family status, disability, religion, and national origin. Now, therefore, I am Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm not. I'm just reading what she wrote. Acting under the authority vested in me as the governor of the state of Arkansas, do hereby order the following. Yeah, bottom line, she wants teachers to teach kids how to read. Yeah. Yes, a bottom line, I, I don't think we should be paying $100,000 for sticky little hearts to give to kids. Yeah, no. Yeah, or our, to our, be told, don't worry about why they're, uh, that they did it, but why did they do it? Yeah. No, it just happened. Yeah. It's history. Just yeah, yes. and, and go ahead because the it gives the, it gives the, the secretary, secretary of the Department of Education right. who needs to give me a call shall take the following steps to <laughs> ensure that the Department of Education, its employees, contractors, contractors, and how much money are they making? Guest speakers and lecturers are in compliance with Title was Title Nine, nine Title Nine, and, and Title Six. Is that right? Title Yes. Of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Right. And then it says, review the rules, regulations, policies, materials, and communications of the Department of Education to identify any items that may purposely or otherwise promote teaching that would indoctrinate students with ideologies such as CRT, and I would say other things, if I was governor, one day I will be, that conflict with the principle <laughs> of equal protection under the law or encourage students to discriminate against someone based on the individual's color, creed, race, Sex, age, marital status, what we know. Religion, right. yes. Got to take a break. Just know your school is not supposed to be indoctrinating your children, but they are indoctrinating the teachers, so they'll be able to indoctrinate your oh, yeah. students. And we're going to get dig into this more. We've got, we're going to talk about homelessness a little bit in the next half hour. We'll deal with that, and then we'll break away and uh, from that, and we'll come back to this at 9 uh, 35. Stick around. There's a lot more for you to learn here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Do you want to you play that video or do you want to read this poem? We got all kinds of material. I don't know if I can play the video right now. Can we, play, I, we can. We can play the video. All right. So, everybody, I hope, remembers the School of Rock on television. Susie, how much did you learn from the School of Rock? Quite, quite a, bit. a bit. Yeah, quite did you learn about how to file a bill and yes. things of that nature? Yes. They taught all of that stuff on ABC I, yeah, after we, school special. I was raised eight miles down the dirt road. We didn't really get that station. Okay. But anyway, I'm just saying, School of Rock, yeah. was that was some good stuff. Well, what they've done is they took systemic racism, and you're going to teach professionals about systemic racism, and what's the best way to do it? buy a cartoon of course sure so that's what they did and let i'm gonna let you listen to it it's a, a little over five minutes long here is systemic racism as per this program from asu this is jamal jamal is a boy who lives in a poor neighborhood he has a friend named kevin who lives in a wealthy neighborhood all of jamal's neighbors are african-american 
and all of Kevin's neighbors are white. Because Jamal's school district is mostly funded by property taxes, his school is not very well funded. His classrooms are overcrowded, his teachers are underpaid, and he doesn't have access to high-quality tutors or extracurricular activities. Kevin's school district is also funded by property taxes, so his school is very well funded. His classrooms are never crowded, his teachers are very well paid, and he has access to high-quality tutors and lots of extracurricular activities. Kevin and Jamal live only a few streets away from each other. So how come they're growing up in such different worlds with such different opportunities for success? The answer has to do with America's history of systemic racism. To understand it better, let's look at what life was like for Kevin and Jamal's grandparents. Decades after the Civil War, many government agencies started to draw maps dividing cities into sections that were either desirable or undesirable for investment. This practice was called redlining, and it usually blocked off entire black neighborhoods from access to private and public investment. Banks and insurance companies used these maps for decades to deny black people loans and other services based purely on race. Historically speaking, Owning a home and getting a college education is the easiest way for an American family to build wealth. But when Jamal's grandparents wanted to buy a house, the banks refused because they lived in a neighborhood that was redlined. So Jamal's grandparents were not able to buy a home, and because colleges could prevent them from attending through legal segregation, their options for higher education were really scarce. Kevin's grandparents, on the other hand, got a low-interest loan to buy their first house and got accepted into a handful of top universities, which traditionally only accepted white students. This opened up a wealth of opportunities that they were able to pass on to their kids and grandkids. Even as late as the 1980s, an investigation into the Atlanta real estate market showed that banks were more willing to lend to low-income white families than to middle- or upper-income African-American families. As a result, today, for every $100 of wealth held by a white family, black families have $5.04. A 2017 study confirms that redlining is still affecting home values in major cities like Chicago today. This explains how Kevin and Jamal inherited vastly different circumstances. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. A big part of systemic racism is implicit bias. These are prejudices in society that people are not aware that they have. Let's go back to Kevin and Jamal. Against all odds, Jamal manages to be the only student from his high school to get accepted into a great university. The same one that Kevin and his high school friends are attending. But after Kevin and Jamal both graduate, Jamal notices that his resume isn't drawing as much interest as Kevin's, even though they graduated from the same program with the exact same GPA. Unfortunately for Jamal, studies show that resumes with white-sounding names get twice as many callbacks as identical resumes with black-sounding names. Implicit bias is one of the reasons why the black unemployment rate is twice the rate of white unemployment, even among college graduates today. You can see evidence of systemic racism in every area of life. The disparities in family wealth, incarceration rates, political representation, and education are all examples of systemic racism. Unfortunately, the biggest challenge with systemic racism is that there's no single person or entity responsible for it, which makes it very hard to solve. So what can you do? The first thing you can do is work towards becoming more aware of your own implicit biases. What are some prejudices that you might hold that you're not aware of? Second, let's acknowledge that the consequences of slavery and Jim Crow laws are still affecting access to opportunity today. As a result, we should support systemic changes that create more equal opportunities for everyone. Increasing public school funding and making it independent from property taxes would be a great start so that poor and wealthy districts can receive equal access to resources. 
Systemic problems require systemic solutions. Luckily, we're all part of the system, which means that we all have a role to play in making it better. Peace. All right. There you go. Aaron in oh, there shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I force him to listen to this stuff because we got to play it on the air. He is in there right now just shaking his his head. head. Yeah, well, Well, it's so obvious. Hopefully, these are teachers, all right? These are people who have gone through and gotten a college degree. Hopefully, they can do some critical thinking about what was just presented and how much BS was in it. A lot of BS was uh, presented there. They say, well, look at Atlanta. Okay, one city out of how many cities? And we got still we got redlining going on there. If redlining is going on there, the only reason it is is because it hasn't been challenged. Anywhere well, redlining is challenged, it can be it can be defeated. Well, it needs to be challenged. I can I know I go back to Sheridan, but I have uh I have researched quite a bit about that town. I did not know much about it. I do believe what they're doing is that they are increasing the property values to make the rich richer and the poor stay down while teaching. I mean, that, that is, hap- it is so happening. It's more, but it, it, that's more class warfare than it is It could racist. be race. It could be race, too. It, it could be. But it is a uh, – the rich get – they buy up – they have the money to buy up the properties, and then they can – have a straw brought buyer and then they then over appraise it it's very madison 2.0 i say i don't know that you're going to over appraise anymore i agree with that back but, in the early 2000s no it's happening now i've got but documents the bank regulations no, well now. no no i'm telling you just wait i've got documents it's it's okay, all I, going to flow out okay then yeah. we need to get it out Bring it yeah. on. I mean, on. I'm telling you, it's, it's can, a fact. I can tell you this at North Little Rock, this whole thing's a false argument. Because well, maybe because you're in a you're in a I think the bigger districts that you're in, the more the more scrutiny there is. You get in smaller well, towns. North Little Rock, and we've talked about it on the show probably about 10 years ago, was a big deal. There was a sales tax initiative. Yeah, 10 and years all, ago, and I remember yeah, that, well, the way they pushed it. All our property tax in North Little Rock skyrocketed. Okay, so their argument is false because when they say – that black kids uh, are in broken down schools because yeah, because this whole tax. thing paints with a very broad brush. North Little Rock has the third highest millage, well, in the state for schools, and they just we just built brand new facilities. So when they get on there and try to make people in North Little Rock think, well, the black kids are we're going to broken down schools, they're going in state of the art schools that are just freshly built. Well, let me tell you, the Pine Bluff kids are not, and they need a millage, but it probably won't pass. Sheridan got a millage, and they have supposedly squandered stayed, it. Squandered it, and their roofs are leaking. The roofs are. The people on the school board control the roofing contracts. I mean, I can go on and on. There's a roofer on the school board, I believe, down there. Right? That's correct. Yeah. And somebody that sells roofing products. Yeah. Yeah. We could look at the 1599s. Yeah. Well, we need we need to get on to, on to that. I'm not saying that redlining doesn't exist in places. I'm just saying it bothers me when they ever present this argument and they say, well, let's look at Atlanta. There is not you know. systemic redlining going on. No, yes. I agree. I agree that it happens, but we'll see what I dig up. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, well I mean, in, I in your say, area, but I will say, Pine Bluff. I'm yeah. not saying but that no, it's no, not. no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm not saying it's happening in Pine Bluff. No, 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 no. I'm saying it's happening in Sheridan. Well, yeah, well, and, okay, in yeah. Sheridan. But I'm saying as far as systemic, it's not happening 
every work. It's it's not a it's it's, it's not happening well, all over. Well, the yeah. DOJ. I interviewed them not long ago, and they do say it is happening. The D, who who did you say said that? Well, the DOJ, but I know, I know, I know y'all are looking at me. Dave knows where I stand on this. I am telling you, redlining is happening in Sheridan. I no, have documents. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying okay, it's not. I'm, good, I'm, good I'm saying in Palm Bluff, though, however, the kids there, primarily black, are getting good educations in buildings that were built in the 80s, center block yeah, yeah. buildings, you know, and they, they've merged with Dollar Way. But I can tell you, they're also not getting, they're not getting all this lovey-dovey. Uh, yeah, well, we got to talk whatever. about yeah. that. That, that, that that's, that's neither here nor there. My point is, in this presentation, it is broad-brushed that redlining is the rule. I think it's the exception to the rule overall, but it does exist. I'm not going to say it doesn't exist because racism still exists in some people's heads. All right, we've got to get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk about this even more. Uh, with the year being almost uh, half over, we're getting into summer now. If, if you've got shoulder pain, knee pain, you've got hip pain, you've got whatever kind of pain, uh, you, you want to get that taken care of so you can get out and do the things you like to do during the summer, maybe play golf, play tennis, maybe it's going fishing, whatever. Uh, but if you're suffering from all those pains and you're taking the pills that the doctor has prescribed or maybe you had some surgery that the, the doctor prescribed and it's still not working, then you need to talk to the folks at QC Kinetics and see how they can help you out. Uh, we're talking about advanced regenerative medicine solutions at QC Kinetics that can give you a life without a chronic joint pain. What they do is they take the healing properties from your own body and apply them right into your joints so that your joint tissue repairs itself, restores itself naturally. And the treatment is really, truly revolutionary. If you have pain in your knees, your back, your shoulders, your hips, you need to stop what you're doing. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. Look, I'm, if, you're, if your surgeon's telling you to do something, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying stop now and pick up the phone and call. Learn how the latest advances in regenerative medicine can give you your life back. Call this number, 1-501-222-8440. 1-501-222-8440. All right, coming back. Again, moving away from just redlining uh, in this uh, this video. I, I want to see the information. Of for every one hundred dollars a white family has, a black family only has five dollars. I, I really want to see. I want to see the uh, the information that they where they called this from. Well, it's a false narrative. Now, no, but to to say that that uh, the black black community is on par with say the white community as far as income levels and everything. Nobody. I'm not trying to make that case. What I'm trying to make the case is what Tim Scott made. And and I think he combats everything that just got said. I'm going, look, we are making strides. We are, we are making strides We've of gaining We've come a long steam. way, yes. And, and that's the biggest thing that Kimberly Jones doesn't understand. Now, here's their message. i, I got to get this in. Here's the message that they want to give to young black males. And keep in mind, this professional de- development was done to t- given to teachers uh, kindergarten through 12th grade kindergarten from the very beginning grade. until 
you know, womb to the tomb type of stuff. This this poem was a big part of the of the of the professional development. Little boy, this is a poem written by Dovey Burl's daughter. Little boy with the dreads in a rubber band. I need you to understand that one day you will grow into an intelligent young black man. And I hate to tell now you, let that me stop there. All right, from the very word there, it's as if that black boy is not intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And I hate to tell you that your life is in danger. So when I, so when I'm quick to anger at senseless, unthoughtful behavior, it's because I care about you. Since the first day you sat in that desk, never did I ever once doubt you. Hard on you every time, because it's critical in my eyes that you see your greatness. Living in a world with individuals that hate, that is my job to teach you. She's, she's literally saying my job is to teach you that people hate you. I can't I can write it down. I can't preach it to you. Tough love each time trying to reach it to you. I feel like you're distant. I, I down set hut pitch it to you. When I feel your resistance, I stop, love, hug, and listen to you. I'm sorry. Here we go. I'm sorry that you had three strikes from your first breath of life that was given to you. Young, male, black. I need you to excel in a world that doesn't. Hold on, my screen went black there. I need you to excel in a world that doesn't want you to. I have two brothers, seven cousins, two nephews, and I teach several dozens of little boys just like you, and I'm fearful, telling you to be all you can be when I know that being just that, even with your hands up, can get you gunned down in the street. All right, we gotta take take a break here because I got we gotta get the news. Okay. All right, we'll let you. And finish I may have a stroke. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. As you listen to this. You know, I, I just listened to it. Isn't that the usual BS? I mean, that's this is the kind of BS that you hear constantly. When we come back, can I talk about what I experienced with young black youth last week? For we'll talk three about hours? it. Sure. I promise. We'll I do, do want to finish that right, one paragraph. See you right there. News on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Finish up the poem. Yeah. This is the last paragraph of the poem. I am tearful knowing... I'm tearful knowing that I can teach all I can teach, but that still won't keep you from being viewed as a threat from people in this society. So when I say sit down, please, just sit down, please, because you're already seen as a belligerent, ignorant, lesser human being just for being you. So little boy with, with the dreads and a rubber band, please become an intelligent young black man. To live out the legacy of those who lost their lives even with their hands up. Now, now you're talking that's, Ferguson. That's that's the message. And his hands weren't up, by the way. That's the message they want <laughs> well, teachers to give our young male black students. Well, what about the young black female students? What's her message to them? Because I talk to those girls a lot in Palm Bluff. What, what's her message to them? They didn't. All right. No, there's no 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 answer as far as that goes. No, no. So but in contrast, that with what you were talking about, Susie, just a few minutes ago. Well, uh, the me- contrast I, this message with the message you were talking about. That you're getting Sheridan. What's going on in Sheridan? Oh, well, in Sheridan or Palm Bluff? The well, Palm the, Bluff. The, the, the Palm Bluff. Yeah. Uh, what you were saying. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Yes. I mean, she's talking about. I I actually hang out with with football players and basketball players weekly. I go to their practices. I you know have pizza with them i've been to their houses i know their moms 
Um, I think some of their moms would find this very offensive, frankly, um, and their grandmothers definitely would. This is assuming that every black male has zero role models, which many, many do. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but um, I, I went last week to Palm Bluff High School, and I can't say enough about that school. It gets a very bad rap. Um, but I sat through three classes of tutoring. Now, these are this. it's not mandated, but it's highly recommended by Coach Michael Williams that you come and you get, you get your basics. Coach? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, early in the morning, they, they, uh, they do have a character curriculum, but they bring in people from the community. I don't think her. They bring in men. They talk about, you know, get on the right path just like you would a coach like any any coach would do because they teach different coaches teach character development then they get a workout then they go to tutoring and guess what they learn there i spent three hours with them one hour is english basic grammar english reading writing then you go into math and you learn algebra and geometry and i actually sucked at that in school and i actually got (laughs) and i finally figured out how to figure out a triangle after all these many years, I actually got the basics and then went to science class. And this was the first day of tutoring. Did they give you a protractor? No, they were talking about gravity and velocity yeah. and applying it to like football. Yeah, sure. You know, physics. and so physics. And it was your basic education. Did they, did these teachers have to rein in some of these boys? Yeah, because they're boys, you know, they're kids. Yeah. And they're going to talk to their buddies. But was it the way education should be? Yes. The kind of old-fashioned education that you get? Yes. It was not this huggy, loving thing. It was, here's the basics. You better get in your seat and you better do your multiplication tables because then we're moving right on into algebra and geometry. So a bold concept is being done in there. Instead of telling these young athletes that, Everybody's scared of them. They're not going to succeed because they're young, male, and black. You have no chance in life. The white people are against you. A bold concept, instead of teaching that, they're actually teaching them subject matter and That's education right, because and math Coach, and science. Yes, <laughs> because Coach Williams actually has a degree in um, not just education, but he, chemistry. He was a chemist and decided to become a coach. He knows the value of education. He has more and more players going to D1 schools getting scholarships academic scholarships many of his players have 4.0 i'm just saying that dovey needs to go visit the zebra practice field like i do every week and she will see a different perspective yeah but to do that she's got to come down out of her tower yes and academics and and academic tower there you go academics don't here here's what i think now let me find let me cherry pick the studies that prove that what i think is what i think that's right. right And here I am, a white woman, you know, that if you go by this poem, you would think that I was going to walk in and probably be... Scared. Yes, and I'm not. Yeah. I have those kids back. They have mine. uh, Well, I just think it's a a nice thing because what you're talking about is you're talking about a coach who's actually interested in education. Yes, and he should come on this show because he would have a totally different perspective. Get him and get him and Coach Randy Sanford just retired at North Little Rock, and they would be a good pair. On I that. mean, no, it's education. See if we can't bring him on. It's a great. He's he's got a different perspective. He came from te- he's from Palm Bluff, moved to Texas, came back home for this very reason to get rid of this stigma, and that's what this woman is creating is a stigma yep. from the get go. Why do you think, Susie, that that superintendents are 
superintendents across the state, not just talking about North Little Rock, because we're going to talk about a different kind of indoctrination in Sheridan. But why do you think superintendents across the state don't want educational professional developments? They want all these social professional developments. Money. Is that where the money is I really now? do believe that's where the money is. I, I mean, I really do. I think the Dovey's probably getting paid. I don't know. You know, I'm making an assumption here. But these superintendents get trips from these. I mean, she's probably got some backing somewhere. Like in Sheridan, the Capturing Kids Hearts, this flip-flipping guy that's based out of Texas, will fly in superintendents, fly in teachers that have hit the, I, got, I guess, given the, the students enough stars and posters or whatever they get little happy hippos or whatever and then you get a you get basically a free trip you get a free trip i think yes i think this is where it's going i don't think it has a thing to do with race and and i'm offended by her point because she doesn't talk about young black females who have problems also well here's the key and the main key of all of this and young white females is this teaching the teachers how better to teach reading how much better they can be to teach math in a certain way or or social studies or whatever. No. This has nothing to do with what schools are supposed to be no. doing. No. I watched this math teacher last week teach kids multiple multiplication tables. I was in the ninth and tenth grade class classes. That's the one I followed around. You know, those are the basic things you you need to know you know to balance a checkbook and sure. figure out Absolutely. you know and and she did it and the, by the end of this one hour she had transformed these kids from you know hyper little ninth grade football players into i mean she was a drill, drill star, sergeant she wasn't hugging and you know warm fuzzy you're gonna get a she was saying if you don't get those multiplication tables down you're gonna give me 25 that's why that's I'm just why saying. we want to get to the point in schools again <laughs> where you're teaching education things instead of teaching sociological things that's not what schools are supposed to be they weren't they weren't made to be that no and we've allowed them to become that that's why you've got lgbty plus plus being taught and everything and i just don't know how you can say i mean she leaves girls out um that makes me mad um, but everything about what she said makes well, me mad. and then but then you've got like this umbrella approach that you just think that you're, you've just pigeonholed every young black male into this, assuming you can just go to the dreadlocks. Assuming I know a lot of kids that don't have those. Yeah, you know, and then I know a lot of poor white kids. I, I just I don't get I Here, don't get where this is. I mean, here's the message Dovey Burr wants to give. Uh, Greg Pelosi at North Rock School District, his deputy superintendent, Tori Tori Hooper, who's a big part of this. Here's the message they want to give, okay? If if you're white, and this is literally in their deal, if you're white, you're racist, and even if you don't know it, it may be unconsciously. That's right. But you're racist, and and, uh, you're inherently against black people, and it's teaching the black people that, hey, okay, 
everything wrong in your life is because of white people and all white people are racist. That's the bottom line of what it does, and it creates a division. So now I used to – I volunteer in schools like you have. Yeah. Okay, I coasted Mills. I was covering it. I'm writing a story. I, I coasted Mills, <laughs> uh, volunteered countless hours at different yeah. schools, North Little Rock, Catholic High, Sylvan Hills, all over the place. And I dealt with these inner city youths. And one thing I always knew is when I went there, I never saw racism in the kids. I saw it in adults. Well, what this is an attempt to do is divide white and black students. That's what's an attempt because they're telling the black kids, hey, all white people look at you this way. You know, no, da, da, she's da. leaving women, girls out. Yeah. So it's well, not yeah. all, yeah. So I've got an issue with that. But it's still the, it's still the division of, of students by race. You know, hey, the reason young young man or young lady, whatever, you have these problems is because of white people. And, hey, white student, you are the problem why this black kid can't do this. Yeah, because. It creates and a that, division. And think about that, white student. This is on your shoulders. Yeah. Because of the way you think and the way you believe. And even if you don't think this way, you're still the problem with these black students but, having problems. Yeah. Well, you're racist. Yeah. Well, you can. Or Asian students, although it but doesn't apply to But then there's indoctrination the with this capturing kids' hearts. Yeah, we're going to... Because that, yeah. is, that is drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, like, well, it's drink the Kool-Aid. Hang, hang in there. Hang, yeah, because We're a coming different... back to bring this to you. Yeah, th- I've been this, promising. Yeah. Now, look, I've been promising Susie to get to this, and I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to get to it so that she can... She it's can, good, too. She can talk. It? Well, yeah, it's really important. Because yeah. if you're going to school... And you're not learning to read, write, and to do math and those type of things, then the school has failed. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Yep. If you leave high school and you can't read, if you leave high school and you can't balance your checkbook, you leave high school and uh, you know you don't know who the president of the United States is. Your school has failed you. I'm just saying that's the bottom line. When are we going to call, you know, you know, what's the old saying? When are you going to call spade a spade? Yeah. All right. And that's no racist, racial consequences to that at all. Bottom line, when are you going to call what is happening what is happening? They're yeah. teaching all the wrong things. It's that simple. The indoctrination, what we're talking about with racial indoctrination, with what what, uh, what Susie's going to talk about, a different type of indoctrination, all the way around to the indoctrination and the sexual preference. It's all indoctrination. There are different types. And what she's going to talk about is just as bad as what we're talking about right you now. You know the indoctrination I want? Two plus two is two. Yeah. Two times three and is six. That's exactly two what I said through last week, and yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. I was like, and I learned how to, you know, figure out a triangle. Yeah. All right. After. Let's take a break. Uh, i got to find a break in, then we'll talk up to the top of the hour. And then we don't have anything planned for 10 o'clock, so I'm going to turn it over to Susie. I'm going to let her talk about this other BS. We're going to talk about the other things that are going on that are being taught. That Oh, yes. They should be out, <laughs> out of there, okay? Yeah. Because this whole thing of saying please and thank you, all of that should just be required. You look at a kid and the kid it, says, give me that. No, it's please. And leave it at that. That should just be common sense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Whether they're getting it at home or not. Yeah. You know, hello, common sense. Okay. Right.
Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, you know Eric Coleman. Eric Coleman will help you if you get married. Eric Coleman is going to help you have the right ring to present to that favorite woman that you have or that favorite guy, ladies, if you're the one that's going to propose. Maybe you're like Bones on the TV show and you're going to ask Booth to marry you. Uh, give you the, the kind of ring that they'll be really proud of offering to you, and he'll save you 20 30% right off the top. I mean, you, you want a diamond? You go see Eric. He's got a slew of diamonds that he can show you. You know, I mean, a slew of them, as well as colored gemstones and everything else. And he can help you design the ring of that special someone's uh, fantasy. Uh, he's at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Go talk to him. And by the way, after you give it to the girl or give it to the guy, know that you can uh, turn around and uh, get the repairs done there and, and have it kept looking great and, and flashing by getting it cleaned there as well. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Turn it over to Susie Parker now. All right. I want to I want to deal with what she has uncovered. Because she's muckraker number two right now. But, Jim, you better watch out. She'll take your crown. <laughs> I'm just telling you. All right. So, bottom line. Now, she has been doing it a little longer than you. I'm going to be honest. She's good at it. But I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that she's old. I don't want to well, get into that argument. I'm just saying that she's been doing this for a while. Well, I just think that there's different kinds of indoctrination, you know. And well, of I course think there in, is. And in Sheridan, for example, just and now this is a program that's in other state schools in this state, capturing kids' hearts. But it started at Sheridan, apparently, under the uh, guise of um, when. When Jared Williams was the superintendent there, he's now the former superintendent, but he is the incoming superintendent for the Cleveland County School District. So I'm pretty sure, I'm betting, that Capturing Kids Hearts will be down there soon, and that's in my backyard. And um, I sat through um, the Sheridan School Board meeting about a week and a half ago, and I listened to this presentation about Capturing Kids Hearts. Now, they voted to... uh, they uh, they voted uh, six to one to to keep this program going for another hundred thousand dollars a year. The board did. The board did. Uh, one brave soul, Jacob Palmer, voted against it because you know basically you're teaching kid you're teaching teachers to love kids. Okay. If you're in education, that should probably have been your goal to go in and then teach math, science, reading, the basics. But theirs is very warm and fuzzy kind of different from uh dovey's a little bit but their website says through experiential exper i can't even say the word training expert coaching and a character-based curriculum for students and personalized support personalized support let me get it here well i've lost it hang on i don't want to miss this um capturing kids hearts and it's trademarked with a little r um, equips professionals in K through 12 education to implement transformational processes focused on social emotional well-being, relationship-driven campus culture, and student connectiveness. Our heart is in serving um, students, teaching, capture kids' heart. They've got a great little logo here, a little slogan: capture, capture hearts, impact culture, see change. When the Capturing Kids Hearts process is implemented with consistency, to me that's indoctrination, 
sustainable transformation can be seen, heard, and felt on campus. What does that mean? Warm, fuzzy, you're not going to question anything, you're just going to drink the Kool-Aid, you're, you know, well, the, the, I mean, the thing is that teachers welcome the students as they get off the bus, they welcome them at the front door of their classrooms. I sat through like almost an hour presentation of this warm, fuzzy thing until I thought I was going to throw up, having, knowing in the back of my mind what happened on that campus during Jared Williams's tenure there as superintendent at least two teachers went was was charged with having sex with minors yeah i remember so then you're going to teach these teachers to be more warm and fuzzy and loving and hugging what is that culture i i mean i'm asking this realistically like what is this culture so is this a participation trophy program so to speak is that the theory behind this the whole philosophy that well you get stickers and you get uh they do a sock drive for the community which is admirable i mean that's mission work like i've done in my church um you you, teachers get the if you do if you implement this then your uh school will be designated a capturing kids hearts um school and you will get some sort of framed little certificate that you've paid a hundred thousand dollars for you mean you don't even get a pizza party you may i don't know okay you may get a you may get so we're getting into it's it's basically social emotional learning processes which is kind of mandated somewhat by the by the state but when you're getting into is what you're saying is you're you're getting into that philosophy of, of of coddling Yes. And babying children. Yes, all the way K through 12. Um, when we know that's not how reality works. No. Period. Not, I mean, no. this isn't critical race theory. This just, this is warm, fuzzy. It's okay if you don't feel good today. You don't have to, you know, do, do your work. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason that I asked both, uh, you know, Jimmy and Susan to talk about this stuff, and we're going to talk more about it, okay? We finish up the show today talking about it. i think it's so important we gave all four hours or three hours of this show to this and it's this if it's not improving reading scores if it's not improving math scores if it's not you know reading writing and arithmetic if it's not improving all of those then why are you doing it that's the question that's what people are paying their taxes for. They want their child to go to school and when they come out, be able to read, write, and do math. I'll talk more about it when we come back. Okay, so here's what I'm hoping today has done for you. Is after listening to all this garbage from Kimberly Jones and and W. Uh, Burl and, and ASU uh, about uh, that program dealing with systemic racism to moving over and talking with Susie Parker and they're trying to teach kids how to be good kids be Stepford kids or something uh you know looking at that how does that make kids better readers this is a question I want you to ask how does that make your children a better real reader a better mathematician a better uh, whatever that they're, spo- that they're supposed to be learning going to school. 
They, it, it shouldn't be about wearing a rainbow on their shirt. It shouldn't be about, you know, giving a kid a hug because they love their fellow student. It shouldn't be about, oh, I understand you're a black boy and, and, and everybody thinks you're a thug. You know, no, it's not supposed to be about no. any of that. It's supposed to be about reading, writing, and math. That's what yeah. it's supposed Let's get back to those. I'm with Oliva on this, the Secretary of Education. When we can do those three things, then let's figure out something else we need to teach. Okay? But let's teach what we've been told that we're supposed to be doing in education. That's what we're told we're paying for, and we're not getting it. Uh, no. no. By a long shot, you're not getting it at all. No. And, and let me make one further statement, because this is going to open up. It's going to open up a, a can of whoop ass, as uh, uh, Steve would have said in WWE. And that's this: without FOIA, now listen to me closely now. Without FOIA, you would not have heard any of this stuff today no. on the air. Not, not a cricket. No, I don't if, have to if, play the cricket to step to, to to back that up. You would not. Right. They would have denied. Denied, denied this stuff. If State Representative David Ray and uh, st- and State Senator Brianna Davis's bill, which the attorney go- the attorney general backed a hundred percent and went and presented the bill with them, and there's issues with the AG's office right now. And if all of that would have passed, everything we're telling you today, we couldn't tell you because we wouldn't be able to get it. We, we either wouldn't be able to afford to get it, or it would have been exempt. As I've listened to the, the state representatives and senators, as I've listened to the AG, and as I've listened to other uh, politicians, here's what I hear their main complaint is, and people that are in school boards and, and all the rest. We've got a few people that misuse the FOIA. They use it as a, a, as a, as a bludgeon, as a... As a as a stick to, to beat people with uh, and ask for unreasonable things. If that's the case, then the fix is to take care of keeping that from happening, not changing the entire FOIA of the state of Arkansas. Not violating yeah. Susie's freedoms of rights. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. So, see, uh, and I'll go back. This is what I, I, I said. I'm going to make the, the illustration again. What is the difference between making that argument, saying because some people misuse it, now we've got to make it so the people who use it correctly get punished too. How is that any different than you when you say, oh, no, these people over here, they've been using their gun correctly. Yeah, but we're going we're gonna to punish the people now that are using it wrong and the people who are using it right. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, it's the same thing. Stop it. I'll, I'll use Susan. Quit example. acting like a leftist. Yeah, I'm going to use Susan as an example because she's u- utilized for you and is utilizing for you right now. And well, not right now. Yes, but in a, <laughs> we don't know what's coming in. Something may be something may be coming All in. Right, that's but I'll take I'll take attorney. What <laughs> David Ray's bill and and uh, Tim Griffin will yep. just say because it's yep. true. This is what he wants. He wants to make. Give uh, government agencies attorney-client privilege, so you and mm-hmm. I can't see the emails mm-hmm. back and forth between the attorney and the school superintendent, which is ridiculous. So I contend it's not just 
about they're using they're using FOIA abuse as a reason mm-hmm. to take away sunshine from what they are doing. That's correct. And I mean, one thing I've discovered with school boards is that the agenda is so skimpy. So when you get the agenda, you know, it'll just say budget, and then they just vote on it. And you don't know what's in that budget. Nope. I mean, it's just moving on. They've gotten rid of public input. Many, many school boards have gotten rid of them. Of public input, parents have to get a petition signed by 50 voters. I have voters. real problems with and this then, stuff. Yeah. And then they can't go speak. Some are, you can only speak about what's on the agenda, um, but I guess it's, it's, ta- it's tailored. And then there's the secret meetings. Which, for instance, I'm battling right now. The Sheridan School Board, I wrote two stories for Arkansas Advocate about the bus driver situation over there and kids being left on the side of the road. Yeah. And um, a petition was supposed to get – get parents were supposed to sign this petition. And to still, get it on the agenda. To get it on the agenda right. and have a special call meeting to talk about but the bus driver bus situation in, in that school district. Instead, an activist – who used to be on the school board goes and has and knows all the school board members because it's a very small town and everybody you know knows everyone goes to this meeting with the superintendent with the communications director with um assistant superintendent i think um and two school board men members does not alert the media so there's no recordings of it i get a skimpy little agenda when i foia about this now they didn't they didn't not announce this at all to any media if any media should have been mine i was the bus driver i wrote about the but but did they talk about the bus driver situation or did they but did they talk about something else we will never know because it wasn't recorded and no one from was no media was there but and I get told that wasn't an official meeting. They lied to you. Yes. Because I'm gonna read you twenty five nineteen one oh six open meeting laws, okay. Except as otherwise specifically provided by law, all meetings here's a big key, formal or informal, special or regular, of the governing bodies of all municipalities, counties, townships, school districts, all boards, bureaus, commissions, organizations of the state of Arkansas, except grand juries supported wholly or in part by f- public funds or expending public funds shall be public meetings now so let's back up okay all meetings formal or informal special or regular of governing bodies well the, the ag has opined on this throughout the decades there are numerous attorney general's opinions on this uh that that two or more meeting together is a meeting now incidental means like if you go to a ball game if you're on the school board and i'm on the school board if we go to a basketball game and we sit together that's not a meeting and you talk about business it is a meeting then if you talk about business so when two school board members go to a superintendent's office and with the assistant superintendent and somebody else there in their communications director okay and they are talking about school business then they just created a public meeting. So they had an illegal meeting, period, the end. Exactly. And My there, argument. There it no was a meeting. It. Now, they're going to tell you it wasn't a meeting. And their attorneys, Jay Beckett and Cody Keyes of Beckett, Bill and Keyes, are going to mm-hmm. go, oh, no, that wasn't a meeting. Yep. But I'm going to tell you, a judge is going to say, say that's a meeting. Okay, let me stop you right there. 
you know Beckett. We not know him, but you're aware. I'm aware of, of him. some of the things he's telling people. That's correct. He got, and I have a recording, and I'm going to put that recording on my Facebook page. It's it'll be open, um, and you can listen to it, and and uh, hopefully Jimmy will put it on there too. Um, sure, it was I will. a it's a work session for April um, that they came in to the Sheridan School District and gave um, basically a FOIA 101. Okay. And in that meeting, they talk about how you should just delete text messages. You should. They they mention this the, the superintendent, which is Jared Williams, who left there with a interesting, I would call it, mutual separation agreement, um, and a letter that was sent to him. That um, the letter was sent. It's in school board minutes. A letter was sent to him outlining why he was being terminated. That I cannot, and I'm not the first person to try to get this under FOIA. Other people have tried to get it, and every time it's a different excuse. My, my, the one I got was our lawyers don't recommend we release that currently. This was in April. So Becca, so they they give this workshop about how that talking about conflicts of interest and fifteen ninety nines and um, but basically how to dodge FOIA so that we any of us in this room or any by any public citizen or reporter would not be able to get certain things. So what are they destroying? You know, I think it's important. Because I'm going to address, because I listed, you know, I've talked about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to address the the termination letter and Mm -hmm. what happened in that meeting. But I think we have to go back to, again, because here's the violation, okay? The violation is of the intent of the legislation, which 2519-102, Dave and I know it by heart by now. And I want to read it to Susie and the the listeners. It is vital in a democratic society that public business be performed in an open and public manner so that the electors shall be advised of the... The electors uh, are you, the voter. Yes. uh, You, the taxpayer. Be advised of the performance of public officials and of the decisions that are reached in public activity in making public policy. Toward this end, this chapter is adopted, making it possible for them or their representatives to learn and to report fully the activities of public officials. Now, I want to make something clear. While I'm I'm big on the press and everything, don't get me wrong, but I've had to make this argument so many times. Too many times the attorneys say, well, you know, we notified the press this is about. No, it's not. It's about the electors, Mm -hmm. the citizens. That's who this act was created for. So when we go, I'm, let's talk about what happened in the meeting where they were t- uh, telling them how to get around or getting rid of records or to destroy records. And let's remember this intent. So when I listened to that, they were actually saying, hey, if you text, you know, immediately get rid of them. If you're making notes on uh, personal notes on a employment of a superintendent, you know, da, 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 destroy them. Is basically what they're Because it can all be FOIA'd. Right. Yes. And they said, do it immediately because once you file a request, because here's where they're getting the loop up. And we talked about this at the Conway School District. There is no record retention requirements on policy for emails or text messages and stuff. So that's how they get away. So what they're doing, and I contend what they're telling you, 
is undermining and violating the intent of the law, mm-hmm. which is a which is the thing Joey McCutcheon and I have really been working on in some other cases that we're going to start using. It's really never been done, but we're going to start attacking using this. Is going wait a minute? Now you're you're violating the intent. But in that deal, they were literally saying, "Hey, if you get those text messages, get rid of them." Because once they've been forwarded, you can't get rid of them. Right. But and the only way I got that work session was through FOIA. What's through FOIA? Yeah. It's not like it was just handed out to me like it was and candy. On the, on the deal about making the notes and everything. And then we get into uh, conflicts of board members and stuff. And they even brought the, one case up. And I contend if it went, this case went before a judge, because we're talking about conflicts of interest of board members, because Susie's... Sheridan's board. Tell us about the board member that has the roofing company. And yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's very intertwined. Um, Incestuous of businessmen making money, I believe, off of their position on the school board. Okay. Right. Which now that is a felony. Exactly. If if you can prove it. Yes. If you can prove it. when you use your position as a school board member, council member, anything to benefit financially or anything that is a class d felony yes here's the bottom line if you are a roofer if you got a job or whatever you shouldn't get involved with anything if you're on a school board city council or whatever with your particular uh venue you should recuse yourself from it you shouldn't be involved i i argued this about senator lincoln all the time when she was voting on on farmland and things of that nature, and she owned she acres was the biggest, upon acres. She had the yeah, huge, I mean, huge, biggest huge farm estate. So, Susie, how big was her farm? You're South Arkansas, yeah. Oh, it's huge. I yeah. followed her. Yes, yes, yes. And then she didn't come back to the farm. She became a Washington elite. I covered her for over a year. Yeah. Huge farm, duck hunter. Well, yeah, I used to talk about this all the time. She should not have been voting on no. any of that no. stuff. It was no. to her her interest to vote yay when extra money was going to be given to farmers, all right? I'm just saying. All right, got to take a break. PI Roofing wants you to come and see them about your roof. Also, their general contractors, any kind of damage done by those leaks out of your roof, they can fix those as well. They are the professionals when it comes to fixing your roof. They are the professionals about fixing what's inside your house or outside your house as well. Just call them, have them come out. They'll take a look. They'll tell you if they can handle it. They'll also tell you what it's going to cost you to get it fixed if they can handle it. What you need to do is dial them up, 1-501-707-3115, 1-501-707-3115. Please tell them that I told you to call and uh, and, and let them do the business for you. I only use PI Roofing. Last but not least, you can visit them online as well, piroofing.com. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me come back, and I want to talk about these kids leave, being left on the side of the road, about the bus driver leaving. This has been a lot of kids. It's not been just like one or two kids that have been left. Uh, we're talking uh, a number of children. My question is, why should you have to go out and gather signatures to bring this up to the school board. What's going on with the school board members? They know that this is happening. The school, the, uh, the superintendent know that it's happening. Aren't you worried about your students? Why is this not being dealt with? 
Exactly. I mean, apparently this has been going on since the before the new superintendent came. It's been going on for years. I have minutes going all the way back probably 10 years now, at least five. That they knew this was happening? Yeah, buses have come up repeatedly. And then this was a problem going into the school year of, of 22-23. And it was only when I started investigating the former superintendent jared williams that some parents said have you looked at the bus situation over here this is happening right now kids are being left on the side of the road text messages aren't going to parents they have a system that would go out um and that's a big school district too because it's not just sheridan it's it goes into east end it goes into east end into saline county and so, you know, from East End to Sheridan School, and there's East End Middle School. I mean, they've got East End Middle School, Elementary School. But then you've got kids going all the way to the Cleveland County line, almost to the Dallas County line. It yeah. is a big. covers a big area. It's a big area. And those kids that live on dirt roads are being left behind. And then other kids are being left on the side of busy highways. And then their parents are in Little Rock, a lot of them, working. They don't know their kids didn't get on the bus to go to school. Then they they're at home not getting an education, which is what they're supposed to well, be getting. It sounds like to me they may not even be home. They may be just you know, walking down the you road. You don't know. You don't. You and don't know. And somebody could get kidnapped, murdered. I mean, who knows? Let's let's. I'm going <laughs> to keep banging the drum on this because that's what I don't want to. Happen. No, because I don't want it to have to be like it was at. 89 and 5 intersection out there uh, yeah, yeah, I, in, I, in, I know, in, uh, I know a couple Oak, of those parents yeah, and those, those teenagers had to get killed there mm-hmm. before, before they, they finally the did, the, the, yeah. did the work mm-hmm. on it put up a four way stoplight there that had been needed for years now. Yes. The here's the thing go, talking about this bus issue and you're correct because you're going Dave's question is correct yours yes. is correct why is it to get it on the agenda do you have to get a petition to do that because here's the thing the superintendent by policy the superintendent and the president of the board put together the agenda well the reality is and when jay talked about it and cody in the meeting Mm -hmm. the reality is it's true most mostly it's the superintendent Mm -hmm. putting what he wants on the agenda Mm -hmm. the president gives input if Mm -hmm. the if the school president wants it on there it's on there a school board member can contact the superintendent say hey i would like this put on the agenda it doesn't mean the superintendent or the president will because those are the two that have the final say. So to, your, to answer today's question, the reason they didn't put it on the agenda is they don't want anybody to know about yeah, it. That's but, it. But when you get to the end of the board meeting, maybe it's changed over years. I don't know. Usually the superintendent, is there any new business that we haven't talked about? But, but They don't par- allow that anymore? They do. And here's, here's if you go by the rules, okay, now even if it's not on the agenda – it's, it only takes a motion and a second and a vote to put it on the agenda. So even at a school board meeting, if it's not on her, school board member A could say, hey, listen, it's not on the agenda, but I'm going to make a motion. We put this on the agenda for tonight. You get a second, a vote, and if the vote is done, then it just got put on the agenda. Right, but if nobody wants to deal with it and you don't want parents to talk about it, you're just going to whip through that new that new business and in and out you go. And that happens yep. all the way through um, at least the school boards I cover in, in South Arkansas. What happens is most school boards are inherently the least transparent. Yes. Of, yes. Of, they're more least transparent than city councils and quorum courts. courts. That, yes. And so the, the, the deal, the reason is they don't want to talk about it in public. They don't want to do it. 
<laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> we got to take a break. <laughs> we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Let me just tell you that with this show, with the folks that are on this show, both of them who work diligently to try to get the truth out to you, we are really, you know when you're sitting down and you're having watermelon and there's fruit flies and they keep flying in your face and they just drive you freaking nuts? That's what we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm big enough that I I, I call into, uh, I call state legislators to do things or whatever. But I will say this, we'll make, it, make things uncomfortable enough that uh, we'll get the truth out to you. We're going to be sting the hell out of you. Yeah. I mean, we are. And not interesting about that, Doug, because about a year ago, I was dealing with a FOIA request of the city of Little Rock, and it was actually CFO Sarah Linehan, who I think is left now, right? Yes. As a CFO, but she was CFO of the city of Little Rock last year when I was in. And I was on a phone call with her, and she said, Jimmy, I'm so sorry. I know this is frustrating because I was trying to get information. She said, I know this is frustrating. And I said, no, Sarah, it's I said, it's not frustrating. I said, I, I got nothing but time. Well, what I told her was, and I tell everybody this, is I don't get frustrated. I frustrate people. Yes. <laughs> and, and she started laughing. She said, well, that's true. And so, yeah, with Dave, and me, and Susie, we don't get frustrated. We frustrate We're going to keep asking. We're not going to yeah. go away. No. Even, I know. Even if you use, <laughs> use a whole can of Raid, I'm not leaving. Uh, no. no. If the Clintons can run me out. I yeah. think I'm pretty much here. If a governor couldn't run me out of town. No. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there is a governor. I won't say who it is, but there is a governor who tried to get me fired. Oh, I know who it was. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, the the GM said, nope. Yeah. Dave's staying. And, uh, but like like Susie, she, Susie's a bulldog in the sense she sunk <laughs> her teeth in the Sheridan School District now. And so I got news for you, gang. She's not going anywhere. And now I've got the city, too. Yeah. I'm investigating. So, the city's its own universe. Okay. Interesting Let's place. get back where you were talking I want, about. I want to stop you, all right? Sure. I think that, you know, we've covered this pretty good. I just want to let you know we're going to we're gonna keep covering it. Sure. I got Peachy Cannon on. Who's Peachy? Peachy is a blogger. Peachy, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You're joining us today because you got some good information for us, don't you? I sure do. All right. I want you to join. We've got our muckraker clan on right now. I've got people that are sitting in my studio right now that Jack Anderson would have loved. Now, wait, I don't know what your age is, so you might not even know who Jack Anderson is. I really like her because the name name Peachy got me. I'm on on, on board. So bring bring everybody up. What is it that you've been covering that is getting under everybody's skin? Well, I'm a writer. I write for The American Mind and The Federalist, and I have a new book out called Domestic Extremists. A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War, mm-hmm. which is basically about, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a how-to book for aspiring trad wives, basically. And um, last week I covered, I'm here in California, and I covered the Dodgers um, and their Pride Night. Oh, event. I'm already intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with those um, the men who dress up like nuns and, yeah. you know, do strip teases on the cross. And so I went to the very peaceful... Um, prayer protests that the local local Catholics, um, you know, we all went to Dodger Stadium and prayed, basically, performed an, exor- an outdoor exorcism. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And it was like the there were thousands of you there, was it not? Yeah, there was at least 2,000 tons of cops who were on our side. They were saying, God bless you, you know, thank you for coming to people who were there. And uh, there was nobody in the stadium. So no. it, was really, it was really amazing. Did that it, that did was. It, yeah. By the way, did it stay that way for the whole game? No, I think the thing is they the Dodgers got really scared. They got nervous, so they actually held the ceremony an hour before the crowd came so that nobody would boo. But there was still boo. Oh, good. Yeah, the, the the what few were there. I watched that video, Peachy, and the the stadium yeah. was virtually empty. There were there were two of those idiots down there, and right. the few people that were there booed them. Yeah, and they look like the insane clown clown yeah. posse is what they look yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, they sure do in the clown paint. Um, yeah, absolutely, it was, it was really remarkable. But then, of course, the local media reported there was you know a couple hundred people. At oh, our of course. Of course, yeah, the way right. it always works. So, PG, yeah. let me tell you what we've been talking about today. You know, okay. one of the big things that has been that a lot of people are yelling about is my kids not learning to read while they go to school. You know, right. if, if you pull up the the results of uh, uh, these school boards and stuff, they find out that like you know, forty, fifty, sixty, and in a couple of cases here in Arkansas, seventy percent of the students can't even read at grade level, but yet. Yeah. But yet, here in Arkansas, we've got people coming in and holding, uh, you know, big meetings with the teachers and stuff, teaching them about systemic racism, teaching them about how to be uh, stellar students as far as saying please and thank you and things of that nature, which has nothing to do with learning to read, write, or whatever. Are, are you running it? I know you're running into that out in California. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only alphabet they teach you here in, in Los Angeles are the letters, you know, LGBT and Q. <laughs> I knew that was that. And the only math is plus plus, right? <laughs> That's right. Plus two is five. You can't spell a lot of words with those letters. Um, yeah, kids are definitely not learning. They're just basically learning how to be good little political activists for whatever, you know, the, the narrative of the week is. And so my kids don't even go. I mean, I would never set foot in the local schools because... You can't, you know, they're just going to turn them into basically Marxists, you know, and they're going to, you know, if you like your children's gender, you can't keep your child's gender if you put them in these schools. So yeah, you're right. Marxists go to, go to Catholic school, luckily, um, but even there you have to be careful, you know, and choose the right one. That's, you know what, that is some very good information for people here. Just because a school is a private school does not mean oh, yeah. that they're not as infected as the public school was. Very true statement. Peachy, I'm Catholic, and, um, and you know, I'm not a big Francis guy at all because, you know, no, he is going yeah, down this yeah. road. And so you're right. Just because it's a Catholic school or a different school, you need to check and see. Oh, by the way, that Francis is. guy that uh, Jimmy's talking about, that's the Pope. That's the Pope. <laughs> yeah. Just want you yeah, to... I mean, yeah. just to just to, um, to, I mean, I totally agree with you on him. And just so you guys know, at the Dodgers prayer event, it was not a single priest or bishop from the Los Angeles Archdiocese, which is the largest wow. Catholic Archdiocese in the country. Not a single one. They would not condone it. They would not allow their parking lot. They have, they have a giant cathedral right near the park, about a mile away with a huge parking lot. People were going to process from the cathedral to the park, and the archdiocese shut it down because they would not let people park in their parking lot. They did not want to take sides. 
This is amazing. Hey, PG, I got a question. I love for you. I love. This is why I bring on people from all over the country yeah. to talk about this stuff. I, 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 I can tell Peachy's going to have to come back with us. And, uh, Absolutely. Question, Peachy. Why is it the left and far left target nuns? It's not just this group. For years, for years, the left, even in government, has targeted nuns. I can't figure that out. Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think just because they <clears throat> basically... You know, h- how does feminism explain them? Like, how do you, where do, what box can you put them in? Why yeah. are they doing this? They want to liberate them from their oppressive, they've, they've been like trapped. From their, from their free will, right? They want to yeah, liberate exactly. them from their free will of being, being a nun. Women, yeah, they ha- yeah, they haven't heard the good news about, you know, women's liberation. Like, we've got to get them out of there. I mean, they treat them like they're in a cult, I think. Well, that, um, Just like they treat conservative women anywhere, you know? Well, who was it that said that? Republicans are a cult now. There was somebody who just said that. Was it was it president or vice president? Susie, uh, Peachy, we got Susie here, and she can talk about being attacked as a conservative woman. Jump in there, Susie, because you you know about that. Well, I'm attacked on every front. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. I know the, the Republicans don't like me. The Democrats well, don't like you're me. You're just a truthful person. That's I'm very. Your people don't like the truth. I say that every single day. Yeah. People don't like the truth. You know, if you're, um, they just don't. No. They, they, you know, you question anything because obviously I didn't go through those courses of, uh, my parents taught me to question everything. Obviously, I'm a reporter. Um, I obviously missed that whole please, thank you. I mean, I do say, I do have Southern manners, but I missed the uh, (laughs) the drink the Kool Aid of whatever Kool Aid. Yeah, my mom, this is what they should teach in school. Yes, it's very simple. Besides, Reading math and just, as my mom always said, you butt with your own head and you stand on your own two feet. That's good. Know, and that's what she always told me. And that's my uh, that's my directive in life. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's Republican corruption or whatever, or Democratic corruption, or it could be no part- party corruption. It could be, you know, a man down the road we with are, a we horse. Are, we that, are true <laughs> muckrakers on this show. We go. Yes. We go in and dig in the dirt and find the truth. Well, uh, Peachy, where I come from <laughs> is not California, but I was raised eight miles down the dirt road right on a farm, and we call it something different. From lack of a better word, we're called manure disturbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. and it's not. And and they don't they don't. We look. actually call them something stirred. Well, yeah. yeah, we do that. But I was trying to. We're on the air, so yeah, we, we can't we can't say what it really is called. All right, Peachy, what's the name of the book again? It's called Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. And just like you were saying, I, you are called, uh, I'm, I'm losing you on your cell phone there right now, Peachy. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, sorry but about that. That's all right. Bottom line, domestic terrorists. I mean, that's what we've been called by the left now for a long time. And with, with that thought in mind, where can you get the book? And get any on online anywhere? Yeah, domestic extremist at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, anywhere you like. Okay, pick those up. And uh, do you have a blog where people can go and read what you have to say? Yeah, peachykeenan.substack.com. Peachy Keenan. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I just that. as soon as I said I got Peachy on the line, I, my head popped up. I <laughs> so got to talk to Peachy. I put, I'm gonna put, we're going to put you on hold. My uh, my. 
my producer is going to ask you if you would share your phone number with us so that we can call you from time to time and have you join us here to deal yeah, with these to. issues. You'd like to do that. Good. Well, Thanks, Peachy, guys. we appreciate you having <laughs> you on today. Thanks so much. Take care. A little bit of a different kind of interview for you, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is. All right. Take a, take, hold on for us. Erin, uh, get her phone number for us so we can call on her when we need to because she'd be a, a nice addition from the from the uh, the left coast to talk yeah, to us yeah. here on the yeah. uh, the Dave Ellswick show. She sounded cool, didn't she? Yeah. 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 12, uh, if you go by Peachy, you got to be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. 12 minutes until uh, 11 o'clock. Don't forget uh, the Asset Protection uh, Wealth Management Company, 11300 North Rodney Parham Road, Suite 320. Gary Garrison is the owner. Gary Garrison is the guy who will talk to you. He'd like you to call in and uh, make up a, a time for you to come in for a consultation free, absolutely no charge to you. If you're just getting ready to go to retirement, let's say you're, I'm, I'll make you 55 plus. If you're looking at retirement, it's staring you in the face. The headlights are in your eyes. You need to talk to Gary to make sure that you're doing it right so that you're going to not outlive your money let me just tell you that is the worst thing that can happen to you is you outlive your money we don't want that to happen for you so if you're getting ready to go in retirement or you are retirement uh, in retirement call uh, talk to gary garrison here's his phone number 1-501-225-9045 again that's 1-501-225 225-9045, and that's Asset Protection Wealth Management.